you're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and ForFame.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast number 98. It is Sunday, June 26th, 2022. And after offering the astrology of your tertiary lunar progressions, part one, we now present the astrology overturning Roe versus Wade, part one. This new podcast includes horoscopes for the Roe versus Wade court ruling on January 22nd, 1973. The overturning of Roe versus Wade court ruling on June 24th, 2022, plus images of the cover of our Welcome Planet Earth. Gemini 1989 and Leo 1989 issues with feature stories on the U.S. Supreme Court rulings on Roe v. Wade and the burning of the American flag. There will also be references to the birth charts of Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts and Associate Justice Samuel Leto Jr. Overall, this is the 98th podcast offered to the public since May of 2019. So in just a moment, I'm going to read from those two issues and then afterwards um, have a little bit of opinion and uh, discussion about what's been happening the last few months regarding this whole issue of Roe versus Wade being overturned, which has now happened. But as far as today is concerned, um, I thought it'd be very interesting at least to mention the following. This is the one day of the entire year, every year, um, June 26th, when the sun in the sign Cancer is exactly on the natal Jupiter for the United States using our Declaration of Independence birth chart for July 4th, 1776. Uh, Jupiter, of course, is the largest planet in our solar system. And in the chart that we have used here for 40 plus years, um, we use Sagittarius rising for when the United States came into being, July 4th, 1776, putting Jupiter as the ruling planet for the United States. And today, the sun is illuminating that Jupiter. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Libra is rising, and Jupiter is exactly setting out here in the northwest in the sign Aries. And the moon has just made a conjunction with Venus this morning in their monthly conjunction in Gemini. And the moon and Venus, particularly Venus right now, is trying in a harmonious relationship to the rising sign out here, which is Libra, which is a feminine sign. Um, representing um, ruled by Venus and Venus now in the sign of Gemini is making a harmonious relationship to that as I have this sharing. There are, men, there are many other key significant planetary energies right now. Mars, for instance, at 24 plus of Aries is exactly conjunct Eris, this faraway planet, which was discovered in January 2005. I've shared a lot about it at our www.greatbearenterprises.com website. Uh, in many different stories and global hotspots, as well as our Earth Aquarius news section and many other places. So today, uh, for the first time in two years, Mars is conjunct Eris, which is a, th- this planet that is named after the sister of Mars. So that's pretty fascinating that we have this intensity of Mars conjunct uh, its own sister planet that has a 566 year cycle more than twice as far away from our sun and earth um, as Pluto. And so that's happening today. And we'll get into Chiron because Chiron, which has a 49 to 50 year cycle, is back 
uh, to where it was when Roe versus Wade was per passed the first time, and now as it is overturned, Chiron has made its return. So I will refer back to all of that uh, in a little bit. Okay, so that's just a little bit. There's many other planetary positions today that are incredibly significant, but uh, that's just a taste of where we're at. So what I want to do now is I'm going to read the Roe versus Wade article from our Gemini 1989 Welcome to Planet Earth magazine. And um, part of the reason I'm doing this is to just give a slice of life about how astrology um, was significant um, at that time in 1973 when this was passed the first time. So we had the chart there and I will, uh, after uh, reporting or reading the story and then reading about the burning of the flag, there's also another article about the Webster ruling which happened um, after uh, which which came up also after the flag ruling. This is very, very interesting what happened back in 1989. So there was a, a, a ruling about burning the American flag, which was very unusual. And that happened on June 21st of 1989. And then there was a Webster ruling on abortion uh, having to do with Missouri and also preventing states uh, state money to go for abortion. So that's another fascinating story, and that happened July 3rd of 1989. So we've got these two issues, which goes back now, 33 years ago, um, in 1989, 33 years ago, um, in our uh, wonderful publication, Welcome Planet Earth, which was mostly on mundane Earth astrology. Um, now we're going to go back in time and I'll read you exactly what I wrote in these three particular articles having to do with the Supreme Court and then we'll catch up on everything else afterwards. So thank you very much for listening here. Okay, so page three from our issue. Oh, I should say again, we have folders at greatbearenterprise.com in the Mark Lerner Astrology Radio Astroscope section. So that's the only place where you'll actually see the, the charts and the cover images. So I advise you to all go to Mark Lerner Astrology Radio, Astroscope at www.greatbearenterprises.com and open up folder 98, okay? And when you open up folder 98, you'll see the cover images um, from these two magazines from 33 years ago, which are very evocative in and of themselves. And um, then you'll also see uh, the charts that are being presented for Roe versus Wade from back on January 22nd of 1973 73, and the, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which just occurred um, two days ago. Okay, so thank you very much for listening. Page three from our Gemini 1989 issue, Roe versus Wade. <clears throat> One of the greatest battles shaping up in 1989 is bound to be over the right of women to have abortions. In April, massive rallies, networking, and conferences were being held by pro-choice advocates and right-to-lifers as the Supreme Court prepared to hear arguments concerning a Missouri case, Webster v. Reproductive Health Services and Abortion Clinic, that may wind up in validating the landmark decision of January 22nd, 1973, Roe v. Wade, that gave women the constitutional right to have abortions during the first three months of pregnancy. Clearly, this is a hot and volatile issue that will not disappear from the American landscape for many years, if not decades. 
Even if Roe versus Wade is overturned, it will not sound the death knell for abortions in the USA. It will put state legislatures back in the spotlight as each state makes its own rulings on this inflammatory legal and moral dilemma. Now, let me just make one point here. Of course, now in 2022, three years later, there is a fear from um, the left side of the spectrum that um, a federal law could be put into place now that this, uh, that Roe versus Wade has been overturned, where the federal government would try and declare that even states have to kowtow to the Supreme Court decision and that would create even more of a furor. That's only if um, the Senate, the House, uh, were to pass uh, a federal um, law uh, um, outlawing ab abortion throughout all 50 states of the Union. So I'm just making this point now. Obviously, I didn't write that 33 years ago, but that could be happening in the next couple of years, depending on midterm elections and so on. Okay, so back to our article from 1989. What I'd like to do is zoom in on the birth chart for Roe versus Wade and then mention some other dates. Note, the May 1, 1989 editions of Time and Newsweek carried cover features on abortion and the Supreme Court. The January 23, 1973 edition of the New York Times on microfilm at most university libraries has a front page story on Roe versus Wade. Ironically, President Lyndon Johnson, architect of the Great Society, and civil rights programs of the 1960s died of a heart attack on the same day of the Roe versus Wade ruling. Okay, so now the next paragraph uh, or the next section in bold Roe versus Wade. The New York Times, January 23rd, 1973, indicated that Justice Harry Blackman, speaking for the majority in a 7 2 ruling, giving women the right to have abortions, offered a summary of his opinions during the morning of January 22, 1973 at the Supreme Court. Thus, I'm using a chart for 10 a.m. as an approximate time for this groundbreaking decision. The revolutionary aspect of the ruling is seen by an Aquarian son, probably located in the Iranian 11th House of Societal Values and Collective Ethics. Pluto and Uranus, Two potent transpersonal outer planets are both in Libra and in the seventh house of partnership, marriage, and sexual union. But the most significant placements relate to the moon in Virgo in the sixth house and Venus in Capricorn in the tenth house. The moon, mothering, nurturing, and Venus, individual power of women, are the principal feminine archetypes in a birth chart. Notice that the mothering function, symbolized by the moon, is setting, quote-unquote, losing power or in decline, while Venus, more indicative of a woman's right to choose her own destiny, is directly above. Also, while Venus and Capricorn may be considered restricted or limited by a Saturnian vibration, Venus is designated as the spiritual or hierarchical ruler of Capricorn in Alice A. Bailey's Esoteric Astrology. In fact, both of these placements, accentuating earthy feminine signs, revealed the hard work over the decades to secure legal rights for women across the board. It is very appropriate that Venus is conjoined the lunar north node in Capricorn, another signal of the rightness, quote unquote, of this decision and its empowerment for American women. 
To me, the nodal axis is concerned with destiny and fate, a potent part of every chart. Notice that Chiron, the wounded healer and a key that opens doorways at 13 plus degrees of Aries, exactly squares Venus in the Roe versus Wade map. Somehow, the chirotic force is deeply involved with the need to heal American women and the entire public due to the violence generated over this ruling. And if you remember that the USA sun is at 13 plus of Cancer, then the Venus placement opposite at 13 plus of Capricorn and the Chiron position square at 13 plus of Aries take on even greater significance in reshaping the core or heart values, which is the sun of our nation. But there is a shocking cycle to recognize in all of this. The Roe ruling came just two days after President Nixon's second inaugural. Precisely 16 years later, on January 20th, 1989, President Bush, this is the first President Bush, once a a kind of apprentice to Richard Nixon, took the reins of office, indicating that he wanted Roe versus Wade overturned. The key factor here is that Venus comes back to its zodiacal position every eight years, a peculiarity of Venus's motion around the sun. Thus, the Venus placements for the Nixon and Bush administrations in 1973 and 1989, respectively, are 12 and 13 degrees of Capricorn. And most of you know that this year's triple Saturn-Neptune conjunctions are focused right at that zodiacal spot. So what do we get? The second Nixon administration, Venus, the first George W. Bush administration, Venus, and the Roe Venus are all being transited by karmic Saturn and revelatory illusory Neptune throughout 1989, and the case of Neptune, 1990 as well. Saturn and Neptune, hold on as I turn the page here, Saturn and Neptune are strange bedfellows to say the least. And on one level, transiting Saturn is trying to deny the power of Venus, another legal ruling to overturn Roe versus Wade, while Neptune crossing the Roe-Venus acts as a giant dissolver or acid eating away at the rites established 16 years ago. Of course, Saturn-Neptune went may wind up supporting Roe versus Wade by lifting this Venus in Capricorn placement to a higher position. Much of this decision may rest on the shoulders of Sandra Day O'Connor, considered the likely swing vote on the Supreme Court in this matter. Note, a major aspect in the Roe chart is the sharp opposition between Saturn retrograde in mid-Gemini and Mars in mid-Sagittarius. This has played out in the bombings of abortion clinics since 1973, and other violence concerning this issue. And the Venus-Saturn retrograde in conjunct 150-degree pattern also brings up a shadow of fear, anger, and hostility across the country as old traditions represented by Saturn are being discarded by the power of the women's movement, Venus and Capricorn. Uh, then bold section here. Um, Sandra Day O'Connor was born on March 26th. 1930, with a time unknown. Justice O'Connor's son directly opposes Pluto, representing death and rebirth in the Roe chart. This is one major sign that she is here to play a pivotal role on the abortion issue one way or the other. But she is also born the day of a Venus-Pluto square, from 17 plus degrees of Aries to 17 plus degrees of Cancer. 
Ironically, George Bush's natal Venus moon square is from 17 plus degrees of Cancer to 17 plus degrees of Libra. So, Justice O'Connor and President George Bush number one have a fascinating karma together and maybe on a collision course as this new ruling is, is due during the summer. She also is born with Saturn at 11 plus of Capricorn. Hence the Saturn-Neptune conjunctions are right on her natal Saturn and she is going through three Saturn return identity crises this year. Talk about pressure. She's the only female member of the court appointed by conservative President Reagan and all eyes are on her at this juncture of American her story. Several more dates are important to note before concluding the short feature. The Missouri case, which may overturn Roe versus Wade, came before the Supreme Court on April 26th. The transiting moon in Capricorn was exactly crossing the Venus North Node conjunction in the Roe versus Wade map. Venus at 12 degrees Taurus was harmoniously trining the Roe Venus, but Saturn and Neptune were also right on the Roe Venus. On August 26th, 1920, the 19th Amendment to the Constitution giving women the right to vote was enacted. It is noteworthy that on this day, Venus at 17 plus degrees of Virgo was close to Saturn at 17 plus degrees of Virgo, while the moon was in late Capricorn crossing the USA Pluto and the sun was in Virgo. This was another landmark day for American women where Venus, Saturn, and Capricorn all seemed to connect. There is definitely an entire theme regarding Venus and Saturn in the Roe versus Wade case and the issue of women's rights. In the most simple terms, a patriarchal Saturn country like the USA has been denying women's rights for 213 years. Women have to absorb Saturn and Capricorn from the male culture to empower themselves in our kind of structured male-dominated economy, world, uh, political world, and social framework. Hence, Venus appears in Capricorn with the North Node in the Row chart. Symbolically, Congresswoman Geraldine Ferraro, who ran as VP on the Democratic ticket in 1984, was born on August 26, 1935, the 15th anniversary of the enactment of the 19th Amendment. She is a Virgo son who ran with Walter Mondale, a sun sign Capricorn. When the decision is handed down in the Missouri case, we will have another birth chart to study on abortion. It is sobering to realize that the Gemini new moon of June 3rd of 1989 is within one degree of the Rho Saturn and closely in conjunct the Rho Venus. The Cancer new moon of July 2nd and 3rd, 1989 at 11 plus degrees of Cancer is precisely on President Bush's natal Pluto and directly opposes the Saturn-Neptune conjunction in Capricorn. Get ready for summer fireworks on Rho versus Wade. P.S. Other features of the road chart should be studied, particularly the placements for the four main asteroids. Note Juno, the empowerment of women, was with Neptune, Venus's higher octave in Sagittarius, on the USA Ascendant. And Venus was conjoined the first magnitude star Vega and directly opposite the star Sirius. Okay, so that's the end of that. And now we turn to uh, the Leo 1989 issue. I'm going to read you the Webster ruling first, um, and there is a chart for that, and then I will talk about the uh, burning of the American flag. So on page five of our Leo 1989 issue, almost 33 years ago, there was this Webster ruling on abortion. Okay, so uh, here's what I wrote in that fairly short article. 
When I wrote the article on Roe versus Wade two months ago, I printed the chart and commented that Venus symbolizing women's rights was above and prominent, while the moon symbolizing motherhood was setting and generally disempower in the sixth house. Now with the Webster abortion ruling of July 3rd, 1989, very close to 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the tables are turned. And let me just make a note here. Again, um, this was a ruling um, in Missouri, and the fundamental part of the ruling was that state funds should not be able to be uh, used um, for abortions. And so that's what actually was passed. Um, and it's interesting, just one other note, that almost immediately two days ago, uh, when Roe versus Wade was overturned, one of the first um, news um, articles was, was how Missouri um, is already enacting these sweeping um, uh, laws, one of these trigger laws that had been on the books uh, preventing women from getting abortions and the issues coming up for for women who want to get abortions or need to get abortions in Missouri to go to the neighboring state of Illinois, where uh, state laws are not going to be triggered to prevent abortions. So uh, the fact that there was this ruling, which again, I'll, I'll read you this short article here. In 1989, two months after I did the whole article on Roe versus Wade, and part of the reason I did the article on Roe versus Wade was because this Webster potential ruling to either overturn Roe versus Wade, and that's not what it did, but it did indicate uh, in the ruling that state funds could not be used um, for abortions. Okay, uh, when I wrote the article on Roe versus Wade two months ago, I printed the chart and commented that Venus symbolizing women's rights was above and prominent while the moon symbolizing motherhood was setting and generally disempowering the sixth house. Now with the Webster ruling of a uh, of July 3rd, 1989, very close to 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the tables have turned. Notice the moon in its home sign of Cancer and just leaving in conjunction with the sun in the dynamic 11th house. The moon Cancer itself is a potent statement on the High Court's apparent acceptance of life as beginning at conception. Meanwhile, Venus accenting the right of women to control their own bodies is powerful in Leo but in the 12th house, often symbolizing entrapment and self-undoing, quote-unquote, from medieval astrology. But all of this becomes more fascinating when you bring in Dane Rudra's symbols for these three bodies, as indicated in his book, An Astrological Mandala. The sun symbol for the Webster ruling and the new moon degree from earlier that day, 12 degrees of the sign Cancer. A Chinese woman nursing a baby whose aura reveals him to be the reincarnation of a great teacher. Keynote, the revelation of latent worth in an experience once it is seen in its deeper meaning. And then the moon symbol with the Webster abortion ruling, the unfoldment of multi-level potentialities issuing from an original germ. Keynote, the life urge to actualize one's birth potential. And the Venus symbol of six degrees Leo, a conservative old fashioned lady is confronted by a hippie girl. Keynote, the need to transcend our subservience to fashion in morals as well as in clothes. In each of these cases, the symbol fits the planetary meaning precisely. The new moon sun degree for this ruling brings up an image of mother and child and the sacredness of this union. 
The moon refers to the original germ, which is another way of indicating conception. And the Venus placement is amazingly appropriate as a revelation about conservative versus liberal attitudes in the Supreme Court <clears throat> and over the tumultuous abortion issue across the nation. This symbol also speaks of Justice Sandra Day O'Connor's pivotal role now and in the future cases that will influence millions of American women. Justice O'Connor is both the conservative lady and the hippie girl, indicated in the Venus symbol. Time will tell which archetype becomes stronger in her personality. Keep in mind that this ruling did not make abortions Ill illegal in private clinics where most abortions are performed. It did forbid them in public institutions. It also threw the entire problem back to the state legislatures for individual state decisions. This will give both pro-choice and right-to-life groups an opportunity to rally the American public behind their banners. However, a chilling fact is that Associate Justice Harry Blackman offered a stirring dissent on, on Webster, fearing that this ruling was just an opening salvo that may eventually destroy a woman's right to, to choose an abortion down the road. One Achilles heel in any birth map is the lunar south node or, or dragon's tail is connected to the shadow side of Saturn, in which we may be dominated by old fears and karmic problems. Significantly, the moon at the Webster decision, 17 degrees of Cancer, was precisely crossing the lunar south node in the Roe versus Wade chart. This symbolizes a rejection, at least for now, of that January 22, 1973 landmark ruling. Finally, the entire nodal, nodal axis at the Webster ruling was focused at 26 plus degrees of Aquarius and Leo. And um, this, thus it, it was exactly nine, the USA natal moon palace conjunction. Once again, we find the power of astrological cycles offering a precise testimony regarding current events. The moon palace conjunction for America brings up the issue of women's rights and mother-child issues. The moon is a mother archetype, while Pallas is a daughter archetype, where the daughter is seen from a patriarchal perspective. The transing lunar nodes, collective destiny, only swing over this USA moon palace point every nine and a half years. Anticipate more information on this volatile subject in future of Welcome to Planet Earth. By the way, um, I've just written a new global hotspot. That's one of the features at www.greatbearenterprise.com on our new moons and full moons. And I'm talking about the recently discovered planet Quayor, which is from um, a Native American tribe in Los Angeles. At least that's where the name is. And this was a planet discovered on June 4th of 2002. And um, Quayor is very powerful at the upcoming new moon that we will have on June 28th in two days, uh, on June 28th of 2022. The sun and moon will be opposite Quayor, and the sun and moon will also be squaring Jupiter. So there'll be what is called the T-square between the sun and moon and the sky two days from now in 2022 at this Cancer new moon, which is also when the planet Neptune is not moving and so many other things are happening. And this uh, planet Quayor is going to be opposite the sun and the moon at the new moon. And the reason I'm bringing this up is Quayor at the Declaration of Independence was conjunct the moon and Pallas. So there's actually three celestial bodies when our country came into being at 27 degrees of Aquarius. The moon is there. 
Pallas Athena, the daughter archetype from the four main asteroids is there, and Quaor, a creator deity from a Native American tribe from Los Angeles, only discovered back in 2002. That's there. Three celestial bodies in the U.S. birth chart inhabiting just one degree. So this is part of the reason I'm bringing these outer planets like Sedna, Eris, Quaor, and other, other planets beyond Pluto to your attention in many of these podcasts. Okay, so two pages earlier, the Leo 1989 edition, um, Fireworks and the Flag. Our cover story this month concerns the controversy over the right to burn the American flag. I was astounded to hear of the Supreme Court ruling and realizing it would soon create a storm of protest from the President, Congress, and veterans groups. I quickly opened Dane Rudyard's An Astrological Mandala to verify the sun's symbol for one degree of cancer. This ruling happened on June 21, 1989, again using 10 o'clock in the morning, Washington, D.C., Eastern Daylight Time. So um, the sun is at one degree of cancer. And again, this is a ruling on burning the American flag. The symbol from Dane Redjar's Astrological Mandala for the sun. On a ship, the sailors lower an old flag and raise a new one. Keynote, a radical change of allegiance, exteriorized in a symbolical act, a point of no return. Now check out the following quote from Redjar's description of this degree and compare it to the actual Supreme Court case where Gregory Johnson burned the American flag as a protest outside the 1984 Republican National Convention in Texas. Note as well that two normally conservative Supreme Court justices, Antonin Scalia and um, uh, Anthony Kennedy, joined the liberals to give a 5-4 decision in favor of Johnson and his right to destroy the flag. So here's, here's this other um, quote from Dane Rudger's description of the degree about uh, on a ship, um, sailor is lower no flag and raise a new one. Here's what Rudger said. I put this in bold italics. On the ship, which symbolizes the ego consciousness floating, as it were, on the sea of the vast unconscious, the individualized will makes a basic decision. The dominant yang force allows the yin force to begin its six-month long rise to power. The, collect, the collective will gradually over, overcomes the individual, and at the end, the state will overpower the person. Now, however, the individual person enjoys his most glorious hour. He exults in his ability to make a free decision, i.e., to act as an individual who selects his life gold and allegiance. This is a truly amazing description of Gregory Johnson's act and the power emanating from the summer solstice degree, one, one degree of cancer. Remarkably, the Supreme Court not only tuned into the zodiacal symbology in some mysterious manner, but they rendered their decision precisely during the solstice. You have to wonder who or what is guiding our governmental institutions and leaders for this to happen. I've seen some pretty profound link-ups between real-world events and zodiacal degree symbols, but this is the most extraordinary. Notice that in the quote, Roger predicts that the state will eventually over overwhelmed the individual later on, symbolically and literally six months later when the winter solstice and Capricorn arrive on the scene. Might this refer to the immediate intrusion by President Bush representing the state in which he is, he is proposing constitutional amendment that would ban flag burning and desecration? I think so. I don't want to get too involved with the heated opinions pro and con on the subject right now. However, 
Most readers will know that I favor an individual's right to free speech and protest in our great country. I believe this right, as guaranteed in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights, extends to flag burning, as long as the person doing the burning doesn't harm anyone else or destroy public property. It was significant that as President Bush came out with an almost immediate call for an amendment to the First, to the First Amendment, something that has never happened before in our history. Jesse Jackson commented that the president seems more concerned with the flag than the values and rights it represents. I found that view to hit the nail right on the head. As I researched this entire issue, I found two unusual dates in our early life as a struggling nation that are strongly connected to the June 21, 1989 ruling on the flag. Number one, in, and this is in bold, do you remember celebrating Flag Day when you were a child? This stems from the Connell Congress in Philadelphia accepting the Stars and Stripes as our national flag. Hold on a second here, turning the page, and symbol. This event occurred on June 14, 1777. That's why Flag Day is June 14. On that day, the sun appeared at 24 degrees of Gemini, close to America's Mars, with Mercury free, free speech at 5 plus degrees of Cancer, exactly in the USA Jupiter, which, by the way, everybody, is where the sun is exactly right now, as I'm reading this from 33 years ago. Point two in bold. The history of the Bill of Rights is a bit hazy, but the Virginia legislature ratified it on December 15, 1791. Through this act, enough state legislatures had okayed the Bill of Rights, putting it into effect as part of our national constitution as of that date. Note that the sun and mercury degrees for the Bill of Rights are precisely opposed to those for the creation of the flag as our national symbol, exclamation point. The Bill of Rights sun is 24 degrees of Sagittarius with Mercury free speech at 5 degrees plus of Capricorn. In other words, an amazing astrological tie exists between these two historical events, events that are now shaping our freedoms in 1989 and the 1990s. Keep in mind that Uranus, representing revolution, had just made a station at 5 plus degrees of Capricorn in April 1989, igniting the flag and Bill of Rights Mercury placements exactly. Uranus will return to this degree in December 1989, January of 1990, and August, October 1990. Jupiter will also crisscross these Mercury positions three times over the next year in Cancer, as Jupiter makes three returns to its own place in the USA chart. So this Supreme Court decision is just beginning to ripple through the American society. It is significant that Jupiter representing the court system and laws, was within two minutes of arc of the USA Mars explosion of energy strife and violence when the flag ruling was announced. And as President Bush rallied the anti-court sentiment with his amendment proposal, Jupiter began crossing the sun placement from June 14, 1777, when the US flag was born. This also meant that the Jupiter was opposing the Bill of Rights sun at 24 degrees of Sagittarius. Quite amazing, isn't it? To top it all off, Uranus, perhaps the key revolutionary planet symbolizing our national destiny and identity, was discovered on March 13, 1781. Its location, 24 plus degrees of Gemini, again exactly mediating between the two suns for the flag and the Bill of Rights. If coming events warrant it, we, were, we will produce the actual charts for the USA flag and the Bill of Rights. Note, on the day the flag was born in 1777, Jupiter exactly squared Saturn, and Neptune, representing symbolism, transited the, the midhaven of the USA chart at 25 degrees of Virgo. 
The symbol for that degree, quote, a flag at half-mast over a public building, keynote, the social acknowledgement of a job well done and a destiny fulfilled. On the day the Bill of Rights became the law of the land, Saturn, individual guarantees, and the Constitution made a precise station at 12 degrees and three minutes of arc of Aries, the sign of independence. It is highly significant that Neptune, representing dissolution, made its station in April 1989, exactly squaring this point. This Neptune square will continue throughout 1990. Okay, now I realize um, we're going back in time here, and this all concerns 1989 with these uh, different um, th Supreme Court rulings, the two of them, one on burning the flag, the other one on the Webster ruling, uh, and the article on Roe versus Wade, obviously that event happened 49 years ago, January 22nd of, of 1973. Excuse me, just drinking a little water here. It's over 90 degrees. So just sharing that particular idea for a second. Okay, so what I have here in um, is... Uh, let me look at the charts for a second. Um, I want to go there. Okay, so in terms of the charts, um, the overturning chart, um, and this is again a part one, so I'm only here to uh, give some brief remarks at the end um, about some of the things that have been happening. Using approximately 10 o'clock in the morning from two days ago, Eastern Daylight Time, one of the things that stands out um, is that Saturn was almost exactly setting, and Uranus, and I've just been sharing so much about Saturn representing patriarchal views and conservative principles. Now Saturn is in Aquarius, and um, over the next several months, or in the turn into 2023, we will have Saturn on the United States moon, Pallas Athena, and Quaor that, that stopped short of happening recently, but it will occur but when the ruling took place here two days ago, I think it's highly significant for the reasons I will bring up because Saturn has always signified a, a more conservative level of reality. Uranus discovered March 13, 1781, the year of the success of the American Revolution, is the first planet beyond Saturn. Of course, we know what that means. That began the whole discovery of planets beyond Saturn and for thousands of years, in terms of the world, we thought that Saturn was the outer, that there was no other planets. It was the outermost planet. The stars were fixed. They didn't move in a different frame of reference in terms of our mindset. So here we have two days ago. What are the odds that um, this ruling would come out? Now, again, it had been percolating um, since a leak came out in May. I believe it was in Politico, or, uh, the Politico magazine or virtual news uh, source indicated that Samuel Alito Jr., Associate Justice of the Supreme Court, um, who's born April 1 of 1950, and there is an exact birth time for Samuel Alito Jr., just so you know. Um, I'm not necessarily putting his chart on t into the folder for chart 98. Maybe I will do it. I'm not sure. Um, but I am looking at it as I share this. So um, when when Samuel Alito Jr. was put on the court, um, it was an interesting time period. Again, that happened um, shortly after John Roberts became the Supreme, the uh, Chief Justice. This was during George Bush number two, Jr.'s term, terms in office between 2001 and 
and 2008. Um, and this was basically having 2005, 2006. Um, part of it was that William Rehnquist was, um, died and he was the chief justice. Originally, John Roberts was going to um, replace a retiring Sandra Day O'Connor, but then William Rehnquist died. And so George um, Bush Jr. decided to uplift the Roberts nomination where he would have been an associate justice replacing Sandra Day O'Connor. Um, instead, uh, William Rehnquist had died and John Roberts be became the new chief justice. And then it was Samuel Alito um, after it, there was a woman named Harriet Myers that um, George Bush was planning to, in retrospect for the, I shouldn't laugh about this, it's not funny, from the left, there was, um, George Bush then nominated a woman named Harriet Myers, who was going to replace Sandra Day O'Connor. And because of various things, um, she dropped out. And therefore, uh, George Bush Jr. chose Samuel Alito Jr. to replace Harriet Myers. So again, if you don't know the history, then you, you, the, the sort of destiny at work factors in all of this is pretty fascinating because otherwise we, we might have had Associate Justice Harriet Myers replacing Sandra Day O'Connor. And instead, we got a, a, a much more conservative person, um, at least now looking in retrospect, who winds up creating this new majority decision uh, two days ago, overturning Roe versus Wade. So when you when you wonder about like who gets nominated and why and things happen, uh, that's pretty unusual here. So um, getting back to this point, and I don't want to just focus on this one chart, although I could do a lot of focusing here about uh, the overturning of the Roe versus Wade chart. Uh, I don't want to go into all the analysis of every planetary position. I'm just going to be mentioning a couple of things. But the most significant thing to me, we know that right after 10 o'clock, okay, because this was, um, as many of you may know, I mean, there's a fence around the Supreme Court um, with all the different controversies that happen and with COVID and so many other things. It's not as if the court is as open as it has been. So this, rule, this um, ruling came through virtually, basically, online. Um, and whether it happened precisely at 10 o'clock in the morning, um, that's often the, the times that I've been using for many of these charts, but definitely within a few minutes of 10 o'clock Eastern daylight time, June 24th, 2022 is the overturning of Roe versus Wade based on the Dobbs, um, versus Jackson women's, um, organization in Mississippi, uh, attempting to curtail uh, abortions um, starting at 15 weeks instead of the longer time period of, of 24 weeks. So um, this is the, in, in essence, um, what what was being prepared over 90 pages or so, I believe as far back as February by Sam Alito Jr. That was leaked um, in May. And this has created all that controversy in the press about who was leaking this, why would they do it, and so on. And whatever Samuel Alito Jr. did prepare was pretty close to the actual uh, five to four specific decision. Um, as, as it turned out, the reason why there's a little bit of confusion where um, in some readings you'll see some of the articles say it was a six to three decision. Um, Chief Justice John Roberts didn't want Roe versus Wade at this point to be completely overturned. He was in support of the Mississippi 
part of the ruling, but he didn't want to go further. So that's why you'll see some confusion in there. And what this also means is that fundamentally, this is a pretty rare thing, but the, the, the chief justice normally is a moderating influence. They look at history, they look at how, you know, where is this court moving and try to, I mean, it, whether they're conservative or liberal or whatever their political bent, they don't want um, necessarily the court to go in such an extreme di- direction. Now, sometimes that isn't true and the ch- chief justice is as extreme as whatever the other justices are and we get some pretty weird history here. But in the case of John Roberts, which I'll bring up in a moment, um, it's now 17 years since um, he took over from William Rehnquist. And what this does is it puts people particularly like Samuel Leto and Clarence Thomas, who were the um, the longer standing conservative group here compared to Gorsuch, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh uh, and Amy Coney uh, uh, Barrett, who just was put on the court recently. So the three recent conservatives um, over which which came through during the presidency of D- Donald Trump, um, they still have in uh, Samuel Alito Jr. and Clarence Thomas, they go back, um, you know, a couple of decades here to the George uh, uh, Bush administration. Actually, both um, uh, Clarence Thomas came through under George Bush Sr. And I'll have a couple of words about that, <laughs> hopefully, if I have some time here in part one. Otherwise, I'll bring that up in part two about Clarence Thomas. I'm not even focused on his chart this time around. At any rate, Uranus overhead in fixed Taurus with its revolutionary energy two days ago. The moon was approaching that Uranus. This is the one day of the month when the when this rule, uh, ruling uh, came through overturning Roe versus Wade. When the moon, which is in mundane or earth astrology, is usually a representation of the populace of people. When, when you look at what's called mundane or earth astrology over the centuries, every planet has... Uh, meaning that's fairly similar to individual charts, but you have to extend it into society and culture and planet uh, as a whole. So the moon approaching Uranus is also the the previous conjunction the moon had two days before was with Mars, okay, which is a planet of activism, of, of personal will and drive. And Mars is also a traditionally masculine energy in a fire sign. So the moon, which is um, exalted in the sign Taurus, a Venusian sign, is heading toward Uranus. Uranus is directly above. Leo is rising in this particular chart, representing the individual empowerment of women and men and individual choice, you could say. I mean, if we were picking signs to say what represents individuality okay we've got the early signs of the zodiac of course and including the fact that mars is an aries is a, a representative of of masculine will and uh, strength and things like that but leo as a rising sign um representing um the power of individuality the heart energy the creative uh, artistic energy and you know, freedom of of, of living true to one's heart and core beliefs as a rising sign is opposed by Saturn, authority figures, the patriarchy, um, Aquarius, Saturn and Aquarius, a group of individuals, in this case, 
uh, conservative individuals who are now passing this and may pass other restrictive measures. So we, we realize that the Saturn that's almost exactly setting is certainly a gigantic influence in this chart. And the fact that Uranus is almost precisely conjunct the, the meridian, the power line, Uranus at the 10th house cusp of this chart, directly above, um, just says so much about like the founding of the country, you know, um, democracy, freedoms, uh, revolution, change, uh, shocks, surprises, things like that. I mean, it was pretty shocking to the, to, um, the English or the British in 1781, when Uranus was discovered, actually in Bath, England, March 13, 1781. And for most of the war years from um, the Declaration of Independence onward, in fact, as I shared, I guess it was in the last podcast that, you know, the, the so-called shot heard around the world, Lexington and Concord, uh, the Battle of Lexington and Concord that happened April 19 of 1775 is the first shot of that revolutionary war even though the birth chart we use is for the independence in the declaration of independence july 4th 1776 and then we have the 13 colonies fighting against the british empire for the rest of 76 and 19 uh, 1777 1778 1779 1780 into the beginning of 1781 and as i've shared before and most historians will see this um America was on the ropes. The 13 colonies were, were not exactly on the cusp of winning until uh, Uranus was discovered, March 13, 1781, Bath, uh, Bath, England, by William Herschel, eventually Sir William Herschel. And by October 19 of uh, 1781, the tide of the war had changed drastically. Um, Uranus had been discovered in society, particularly in Europe and America. I mean, in all the... Uh, so many areas of the world, there was the shockwave because Saturn was no longer the outermost planet. The stars were necessarily not completely fixed. We were looking at life through the telescope. The Industrial Revolution was now beginning. So many changes were happening. And the first change was that America wound up winning that war. And as I've shared in many other times, I mean, when, when we often get discouraged when we look at um, the, the revolution by Castro in Cuba, or Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam, or Mao in China, or um, uh, the Russian Revolution, okay, uh, Lenin and Stalin and Marx and Engels and all these different people, part of the Communist Manifesto. But particularly, these revolutionaries, whether it's communism or socialism in whatever parts of the world, as I've often shared, they all look to George Washington. They look to Thomas Jefferson, Paul Revere, Samuel Adams, Benjamin Franklin, the, the so-called founding fathers and mothers of the American Revolution in those years of 1775 to 1781, that the capstone of that pyramid was the discovery of the planet Uranus Re revolution. And it was successful. And because Washington and all these other people were successful and then so many years later, from 1781, eight years later, we, we eventually uh, get a constitution, um, 1787 to 1789, and we get uh, the beginning of the, of the American experience with George Washington taking the first oath of office, April 30th of 1789. Um, we don't get the Bill of Rights until December 15th of, of 1791, which is a whole other story in a, 
I may share more about that in part two here. At any rate, um, the other th there's so many placements in this chart from two, day two, day uh, two days ago, but the big thing, as I, as I said toward the beginning of this um, podcast, is that the sun was exactly on the United States Venus. I mean, that happens once a year. So two days ago, and every year on June 24th, is the day that there's an illumination. The solar life force in the heavens is illuminating the United States Venus. And I, as I shared in these um, stories from 1989 about the power of Venus, particularly at, Roe, at the first Roe versus Wade when it was passed, Venus was elevated, was in the sign Capricorn, was overhead. And now the, the sun is illuminating um, that Venus, um, two days ago. Okay. And, um, so that was extraordinary and a very, very exact conjunction within two minutes of arc. That's one thirtieth of one degree of the Zodiac that the sun was on the U S Venus. Uh, as again, I'm just doing this two days later and the sun is on our Jupiter. So again, just sharing about all this and going back 33 years, talking about Roe versus Wade, talking about this Webster ruling from Missouri and, and the flag burning. This is all, um, it's sort of a continuing history and where astrology is just doing extraordinary things. I mean, revealing so many archetypes. The other thing about two days ago was the largest asteroid series. Okay. A mothering nurturing energy for sure. Discovered January 1, 1801. The first of the main asteroids to be discovered was at 17 plus degrees. This is two days ago. It's still pretty much there. It's moved a little bit series 17 plus degrees of cancer why would that be significant that's where pluto was discovered okay pluto was discovered of the three outer planets that we use in astrology the three main ones uranus neptune pluto pluto's the only one that was discovered in the united states in flagstaff arizona uranus was discovered in bath england neptune discovered september 24th 1846 was discovered in Berlin with three astronomers, one in France, one in England, and the other one in Berlin. Think of Neptune and the trident that it represents, three astronomers figuring out, um, discovering Neptune back in 1846 in September. And then um, on February 18th of 1930 um, is when uh, Comet Clyde Tombaugh, this young 24-year-old astronomer working at a Flagstaff, where the observatory there was used to, uh, by Percival Lowell, built by Percival Lowell. He's the one made famous about um, uh, Martians existing because he, saw, he thought he saw uh, lines on the planet Mars that he thought were aqueducts, that, uh, that they were... Martians building things and changing things. And again, he eventually died. And it turned out that that was not true uh, because we didn't see as clearly as we could what was going on. I mean, it's possible that in the past we have had ancient aliens and all kinds of things, as we know from Richard Hoagland and his work about the face on Mars and other kind of things. So that's still up for grabs about what what is what what the true history of Mars is all about. So um, we're not going to get into all of that, but we have shared about that in Welcome Planet Earth. I've shared about it on podcasts on many occasions about UFOs, ETs, and so on. At any rate, um, Ceres is at 17 plus degrees of Cancer, and that's where the planet Pluto was when, and what happened was um, from photographic plates, Pluto was very interesting because it wasn't sighted through the telescope in the sky, Eureka, we found this planet. In the case, uh, it, this was in 1930, 
photographic plates had been taken of that sector of the sky. And it was in January that these photographic plates were taken. And then on February 18th at four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, Mountain Standard Time, uh, Tomboy, the, the person researching, looking for the mysterious planet X, you know, the main big planet, which we still are looking for beyond Neptune, beyond Uranus. So he found Pluto, okay? And then that was announced to the world on March 13, 1781. The discovery is on February 18, 1930, that in the afternoon on that day was uh, Clyde Tombaugh um, looking at it and saying, wow, there's a planet there. But then they waited until March 13th, the anniversary of the discovery of Uranus, to make the announcement. And as I remember, and I shared about this a lot, it was um, they they got names. They asked for the names from people all around the world. And an 11-year-old girl from England um, sent to the name Pluto, and they named this planet Pluto. And so Pluto, which we now know, or Hades, uh, the other name, Pluto is the name of the Roman god for this planet, and Hades is his other name, H-A-D-E-S, is known as the god of the underworld, uh, with all those mysteries and secrets and metamorphic energies and things that are either repressed or pushed below the surface. So it turns out that the Earth Mother asteroid, the first uh, of these asteroids between Mars and Jupiter, eventually then Pallas Athena is discovered in 1802, and then we get Juno in 1804 and Vesta in 1807. That opens the door to dozens and then hundreds of asteroids between Mars and Jupiter. But Ceres, um, just two days ago, happens to be out of the 360 degrees of the zodiac, exactly on the discovery position of Pluto, as we have this death-rebirth event um, of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And um, this is like an extraordinary uh it's causing all kinds of protests everywhere. I might read from some of the articles I've downloaded. I'm not going to read the articles, but just the titles. I, I wanted to do that here just to give you the variety of what I've seen from left and right and all over the place. Again, there's many other energies going on two days ago. I'm not going to go over all of them, um, but, but I will compare a little bit in a moment to Sam Alito Jr.'s chart because... He's the main architect of this ruling, okay? So it's very significant how his chart fits in, and his chart is an exact birth chart. Um, any rate, um, the chart is in folder 98, so um, whether it was exactly at 10 or a few minutes later, it's very, very clear that Saturn is setting a fixed air sign, and Uranus is overhead at the power meridian line, uh, in Taurus. So we've got two major planets which are completely opposite principles. One Uranus certainly representing individual freedom um, on the power line of the chart overhead with the moon approaching it. And you'll see also the north node there. You'll see Pallas Athena, 25 of Taurus, representing the daughter archetype. So you've got the moon up there, exalted, um, uh, it conjunct the planet of individuality and revolution. Um, it's a pretty extraordinary type of situation. Sun on the United States, Venus, Ceres on the discovery position of Pluto. Uh, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some other things. Uh, we're going to get into Juno in a moment. So let me just say this. And I don't want to get into all the details of Samuel Alito Jr.'s chart. But I did look at it 
a couple of weeks ago when I almost did this podcast um, right when the leak happened that Samuel Alito Jr. was writing this majority opinion. So one thing first, though, you may remember I did a number of podcasts that Venus and Pluto were making five conjunctions starting in the beginning of 2021, and we're going to have another Venus-Pluto conjunction on the last day of this year, 2022. In the meantime, there were three Venus-Pluto conjunctions over the winter in Capricorn. And then we also had Venus conjunct Mars, and Venus and Mars going from Capricorn into Aquarius. This happened in early March. Meanwhile, what we didn't know was back in February, and this is uh, also the time period that Pluto made its first of three returns in the United States chart, which has never happened before. So the fact that Ceres, the largest asteroid representing uh, nurturing energy and mothering energy and nature forces to such an extraordinary degree, Ceres also rules mother-child relationships, okay? Uh, mother, uh, the mother force, particularly mother-child relationships are all part, <coughs> excuse me, of Ceres. And for it to be on the discovery of position of Pluto, while Pluto is coming back in the United States chart three times, we had the first Pluto return in February. This is when Samuel Alito Jr. was working on this uh, this opinion that then became leaked, uh, leaked out a little over a month ago. Um, okay, and then Pluto is going to come back in July, and it's going to come back in December. So we're in this wave, as I've shared. It's not just like, oh, Pluto is back in February, and... And then it's not affecting us until it, it stops, in, until Pluto stops its exact hit at 27 degrees and 34 minutes of Capricorn for the U.S. chart. We're not done with Pluto at all. So it's more of a wave, and the next one comes up in a couple of weeks, okay? And then we get it again in December. And then even, as I've shared before, in the fall of 2023, Pluto will come back within like one-third of a degree to the United States natal Pluto position. Of course, we're all having this while Neptune is going opposite its own position from Pisces to Virgo, and I brought in the fact that there is this planet called Chaos, which is conjunct the United States Neptune. It has a 309-year cycle. It was discovered uh, November 19th of 1998. We currently have our President Joe Biden born November 20th of 1942. So the natal Chaos position literally C-H-A-O-S, a real planet, which has a 309-year cycle, natally for the United States is conjunct Neptune at the top of the U.S. chart. And Neptune is currently going opposite that Neptune, which hasn't happened for 165 years, which is a Neptune cycle, as I've shared before. I mean, that cycle is sort of ending. It was strong last year, Neptune opposite our own Neptune. But now Neptune is going opposite our chaos position and transiting chaos is about to go from late Gemini into um, into the sign Cancer where we're having the solstice energy uh, that just happened. By the way, in the original chart for the Roe versus Wade decision, January 22nd, 1973, using 10 o'clock in the morning, the bottom of that chart is where transiting chaos is right now 29 plus degrees of gemini is at the root point the foundation point for roe versus wade and there is a real planet chaos which is elevated when the united states is born with neptune a planet that can be revelatory spiritually and from the heart and creatively and imagine it through imagination but it can also represent 
illusions and confusion and nebulosity. So country is going through Neptune opposite Neptune, Neptune opposite our chaos. The transiting chaos is at the bottom, um, the fourth house cusp of the original Roe versus Wade chart. Well, clearly we are having chaos, okay, with this ruling, and we knew that that was going to happen. What's unfortunate is, aside from other transits, the fact that Chiron has come back because the original ruling of Roe versus Wade was 49 plus years ago, and once we discovered Chiron in 1977, and we realized, wait a minute, Chiron has a 49 to 51 year cycle. So every 49 to 50 years, every individual has a Chiron return. Uh, I've shared so much about Chiron, so have many different authors for Welcome to Planet Earth over the years. There are many books about Chiron and so on. And you'll see in the Roe versus Wade decision chart, um, as I shared in reading the article, um, Chiron is in the first house of that chart at 13 plus of Aries, squaring Venus at 13 plus of Capricorn, and the United States Sun is 13 plus of, of Cancer. So Chiron is, is, is remarkably powerful um, in that Roe versus Wade chart. As I said, also the Sun is in Aquarius, in early Aquarius, and Mercury, when Roe versus Wade was first passed, is at 28 plus a Capricorn, which is the United States Pluto within one degree, and that's exactly where Pluto just stationed, okay, and stopped at that point. Okay, back to Samuel Ito Jr. Um, what I wanted to say here is, uh, I already shared to you that his going on the court was accidental. Again, Harriet Myers was proposed by George Bush um, to, to uh, take the place of Sandra Day O'Connor. And this was because John Roberts was going to take that position, but then William Rehnquist, the Chief Justice, died. And George Bush Jr. changed his mind and said, hey, instead of John Roberts replacing Sandra Day O'Connor, who was planning to resign, uh, you know, just from her age, uh, I'm going to make John Roberts um, in charge of the whole Supreme Court. I remember when that happened, I was kind of shocked because it, it just didn't seem right, you know, that a person who was going to replace an associate justice would be moved into the top position to be in charge of the whole thing. And maybe John Roberts himself was shocked that he was now going to be uh, this Aquarius sun uh, guy. Uh, he's born January 27th um, of, excuse me, um, yeah, he's born January 27, 1955. We don't have an exact time for him, but I have Early on in my podcast, I put his chart in there because he was then going to be in charge of the impeachment um, in in the in the trial in the Senate. So he he wound up having to do that uh, two different times with uh, Donald Trump to play out that role. And um, he is born with the Sun in Aquarius, and he has Chiron. This is uh, Chief Justice John Roberts. Part of the reason he's now weakened um, is that Pluto is about to hit his Chiron and his Chiron is 2959 Capricorn almost zero of Aquarius so the court has moved to empowering Alito and Clarence Thomas the two sort of conservative elders even though Gorsuch Kavanaugh and Barrett are there to round out those five conservative justices with Roberts, he's still a conservative, but trying to remain, you know, keep the court from going overboard. He's now relatively insignificant. 
with all of this as it's being played out. Now, he, there's many other interesting positions in his chart, like the transiting nodes right now, as an example. If you look in the um, overturning row chart, you'll see the north node, fate destiny point, directly above, near that Uranus, uh, near the Midhaven, 20 plus of Taurus, and the south node is 20 plus of Scorpio. Okay, so one of the things about that is, if you look at, uh, well, you don't necessarily have it. I may, I may wind up putting this in there, but the John Roberts chart, which is a solar chart, shall we say, a sunrise type of chart, because we don't know his birth time, January 27, 1955, his Saturn is at 20 plus of Scorpio. So the south node of the, of the, the nodes right now, destiny and fate point, are hitting his Saturn. So, I mean, this is a person who was or has been opposed to abortion rights in general, but has not wanted, in fact, he did not want Roe versus Wade to be completely overruled at this point, fearing what is now happening, that it's going to let loose this extremism that um, the court is not, this is just the beginning of potentially losing, as many of you you are hearing about, there could be other liberties and freedoms that came out of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, in particular, whether it's getting contraceptives or same-sex marriage. And even though Clarence Thomas is pointing in the direction of, hey, we might overrule these things as well, and he's married to a white woman, um, he didn't bring up, um, Clarence Thomas brought up the fact that we may, the Supreme Court may look at um, limiting or overturning other um areas that have now been accepted, same-sex marriage and um, contracept contraceptives and so on. Now, there are contraceptives that can be purchased through mail, so um, there's a whole bunch of those issues, and that's another whole squirrely area having to do with the Federal Drug Administration. Um, these are all things that are now popping up in stories all over the place. Can women travel from one state to another? Apparently, Kavanaugh, one of the, the five conservatives, feels that women can travel other it's possible that a clarence thomas or samuel Lito might say something hey if a woman lives lives in missouri it's illegal for her to try and go to illinois i mean if and if the uh government of the united states if if let's say um a much more conservative senate and house come to play between the midterm um elections and uh, a conservative president in 2025 there could very well be a national uh, ban on abortion, or at least an attempt to put that into place through the Supreme Court or just through the Congress and having a president pass that. And then the Supreme Court would rule on its legality one way or another, and most likely they would affirm that, uh, although you never know um, what they would do if a conservative president and uh, Republican uh, Senate and House all brought together a national amendment to ban abortion completely. I mean, we'd really have a country uh, between the federal system and the state system and the church and the state supposed separation of powers, which is another area I want to go in part two about all this, because what we're seeing here is not, I mean, a lot of this is smoke and mirrors because oh, so much of this is religious um, in, of where all this is coming from and why it's developed. And while a lot of the, the violence and the discussion have to do with liberties and so on, so much of this goes back hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, to God, 
heavenly commands, what's supposedly right from a from a, a soul or a spiritual standpoint or from a church standpoint or uh, a religious standpoint and so on. And our country is supposed to have a separation between church and state. So we will get into this later on. At any rate, uh, the Samuelito chart, when I saw this a couple of um, weeks ago, I was shocked by how astounding something was, which is in the chart for his birth, April 1, 1950, the moon is in between Saturn and Juno. In fact, his moon is 18 plus degrees of Virgo, which is within two degrees of the Roe versus Wade decision from 1973. In other words, that moon position, which as I said, when I was reading the story, it's Venus and Capricorn, which was overhead at the Roe versus Wade decision that represented women empowered, okay, who had never been empowered, in the original constitution or even the bill of rights women not getting the right to vote until august of 1920 and the, the battle for women to get their rights and contraception and um the choice to have an abortion and things like that okay so all of this has been developing was not at all enshrined in the constitution you know which obviously had to do with white um uh, landowners slave owners that's these are the people who who decided what what the beginning of the country was all about you can get into all of this you know that um individuals basically slaves were considered three-fifths of a person in terms of voting i mean this is the same document that the uh originalists for the you know whether it's um Alito or anybody else who goes back to try and say, well, what was the original intent of, of James Madison and everybody forming the Constitution? As I've shared many times, though, the Bill of Rights was not part of the original Constitution. And there was a whole fight between George Mason of Virginia at the Constitutional Convention, who did not sign the Constitution along with two other people because it didn't have um, a Bill of Rights. And James Madison, the so-called father of the Constitution at that point, felt, hey, we've covered enough and so on. Well, according to James Mason from Virginia, it was not enough. He wouldn't sign it. So he didn't sign the Constitution. And um, then Madison had second thoughts after uh, the Constitution um, was ratified by nine of the 13 states that happened um, by June of, of 1788. And then once the country began um, in March of 1989 and April 30th, 1789, with Washington taking the first oath of office in New York, then it still took two plus years to create the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments and so on, with all these different freedoms about right to bear arms, supposedly, and things like that, free speech, freedom of religion, and so many other things. Um, but this was what George Mason wanted to be in the original Constitution, and it wasn't. So when we get originalists who keep saying, well, what was the original intent in the Constitution? Now they're trying to make it sound as if the Bill of Rights was actually part of the original Constitution, all those individual rights to have, have guns and freedoms. That wasn't in the original Constitution. And um, it was actually over four years from September... 17th, 1787, there is a chart for when the Congress, Continental Congress, came together to create uh, 
a constitution, and often that's given as the date. And I kind of question that September 17, 1787 date, because nine of the 13 states had to ratify what the what the Continental Congress did, and that wasn't until New Hampshire, June 21, 1788, the ninth of the 13 states, said, hey, we're going to do this thing. And that validated um, the Constitution. So to me, June, and this is interesting, June 21, 1788, is, uh, remember the flag ruling that I was just talking about uh, was June 21, 1989. So the flag ruling is interesting too because it, it, it was decided that uh, with conservative support, that it was okay. It was in a five to four decision again with uh, uh, two conservative justices, as I was reporting there, which was very interesting that that happened. Scalia and Kennedy made a five four decision. Hey, it's okay to burn the American flag. And then the president of the United States, George Bush, immediately wants like, hey, we need to do an amendment to the Constitution. He's even going against um, the, the court there. I mean, it's just extraordinary to, if you look at history to see what was going on. Uh, first President George Bush, who had served in the Navy as a young guy, of course. Scalia and Kennedy go over, join the liberals to give a 5-4 decision in favor of Gregory Johnson's right to destroy the American flag. That's why I read this story. Be, so many contradictory things going on, often of conservatives and so on. So you have to wonder, as it may very well be... Um, and we'll get into this another time because of a total lunar eclipse on the on the midterms on November 8th of this year. Again, where Uranus is going to be incredibly powerful as part of Sun opposite Uranus. Uh, and the Moon conjunct Uranus on the day of the midterms, where our country is going to go. And one of the possibilities is that the House and the Senate, and it's a little bit more than a possibility, might be a strong probability that the House and the Senate become Republican. Now that wouldn't take place immediately. It wouldn't happen until the, the first couple, uh, whatever the date is in January of 2023, when the new Congress would be sworn in. And then you'd have this push from a more right-wing uh, direction. And if something occurred where President Biden couldn't stay in power or whatever it would be, or whether he runs or not, or whoever runs as a Democrat in 2024, if they lose to whoever the Republic is going to be, you would wind up, uh, particularly if in 2024, again, we can't go that far, assuming the Senate and the House are still Republican and you get a Republican president, then they might go in this direction, and we'll have more to share about that, of attempting to completely eliminate all states' rights uh, ability for any state like California, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, New York, there's uh, Illinois, there's still a, a good number of states that will allow women to have abortions and so on because of their state rules. The irony in all this also is that on the day before June 24th, the Supreme Court, based on a one, uh, 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 something, uh, one of their rulings that came up, they ruled against New York, the state of New York, where New York State wanted um, to be able to prevent uh, the use of guns, whereas the Supreme Court said 
that the federal, uh, the Second Amendment to the Constitution, the right to bear arms, which again is, has a lot of squirrely language about, you know, a militia, regulated militia, it doesn't exactly say, hey, every individual can own a gun to do whatever he or she wants to do. It was much more connected to the um, necessity to have to have an arm and be part of or to be literally a part of the militia in order to defend the, the the country against you know England or foreign power so it was written in a much different day in those days you didn't have AK-47s you had muskets things were different so um, this development through uh, the NRA and um, the idea of America, where everybody should have a gun or can have a gun. So literally on the day before um, this ruling comes out, attempting to tell all women that they can't control their bodies, um, you have this situation the day before, where which is so ironic because the Republican Party conservative movement was always states' rights are equal to the federal government. In this case, the Supreme Court was saying, the Second Amendment of the Constitution, um, the right to bear an arm, in their opinion, is more significant than a state indicating that it wants to put its practice um, into being that they don't that there should not be uh, an absolute requirement that that people have a, have a, a gun or um, some some kind of uh, you know a rifle or whatever it may be. So New York lost in the Supreme Court, um, a state w lost on a gun issue with the same conservatives the next day denied women um, or overturned Roe versus Wade. So I know it was uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi brought this up in particular. There's so many different nuances of this whole story. And so that's one of the reasons I didn't want to do this all in one part. So I, I don't want to get too um, too far into all this. There's a part two, and I want to just see here how long we've we've gone here. Um, we're at an hour and 21 minutes, which is really good. So the main reason I wanted to share all this with you, I do want to bring up something that's very interesting about the original Roe versus Wade chart, though, before we end here. And I think I'll also end with sharing some of the stories I've downloaded, just so you know the, the variety of what I've been seeing. So I'm going to try and do that. However, in the original Roe versus Wade chart, I have a program where I can add a lot of these asteroids and centaur bodies like Chiron and faraway bodies that have now been discovered beyond Pluto. Uh, again, many of these you now have heard me talk about um, Sedna, Eris, Varuna, uh, Orcus, and some other ones, uh, Quaora, of course, and so on. So when the leak came out several weeks ago, I decided to print out a more elaborate chart for Roe versus Wade. Not the chart that that is Sun, Moon, eight planets, four asteroids, Chiron, the nodes, which is the way that most of the charts were in Welcome Planet Earth. So I wanted to look more specifically because we could see from the leak from Samuel Alito Jr. that this was going to get overturned. There were going to be enough justices to overturn Roe versus Wade, or at least the probability was there. The question was, was could Chief Justice John Roberts convince Kavanaugh or Gorsuch 
to sort of pull one of those persons away in the, since the league to make a moderate thing, which is, again, John Roberts in this, this is why there was this confusion two days ago, was the ruling six to three or five to four. Fundamentally, the overruling of Roe versus Wade was five to, was, uh, excuse me, five to four. The, the ruling that affirmed the Mississippi case here of Dobbs versus the Jackson Women uh, Clinic uh, organization, um, Justice John, Chief Justice John Roberts was a part of that majority decision. So that was six to three to affirm the Mississippi part of all this about um, that would reduce the time for women to be able to have an abortion from 24 weeks to 15 weeks. And the problem there is that often women don't know that they're pregnant and so many other things at 15 weeks. So that's part of that controversy. So it's not as if uh, John Roberts, John Roberts has been against uh, women, women having choice his whole term. In fact, I read recently that I guess his wife is a very strong, you know, uh, right to life individual and John Roberts is part of all of that. So I don't want to, there are so many different things that are, that are crazy in all this. George Herbert Walker Bush, and again, if you're around long enough, was actually pro-choice, okay? Before he went on the ticket, this is the first George Bush, okay? He was pro-choice. When he was a congressman, he was ambassador to China, he uh, was in charge of the Republican Party. He was in charge of the CIA. He had all these different roles, okay? And then he wanted to be president. So he was running, and, and this is 1980, against Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan got the nomination. Literally, when Ronald Reagan decided to choose uh, George Bush, and this is absolute truth, okay, because I remember watching it. So a reporter comes up to George Bush after he's selected and says to him, okay, uh, Governor Reagan is against um, ab uh, abortions. He's pro-life, but you're pro-choice. And George Bush... <laughs> The straight face said to the reporter, no, I'm pro-life, pro like uh, Governor Reagan. And the reporter was like, wait a minute, you have always been pro-choice. And at any rate, he just he said, well, I'm pro-life, that's the end of it, and then would not talk about it. So he just literally you know, decided to change his views so that there was no inconsistency, even though for years, pro George Bush Sr. was pro-choice. That was his stand. And that was one of the differences between him running against Ronald Reagan, where George Bush wanted to get the nomination. Had he gotten the nomination, now maybe it would have changed anyway from pro-choice to pro-life because of the Republican Party, but he was a pro-choice Republican. So anyway, what I did fa find here, in conclusion, shall we say here, I want to finish up two things. This very unusual thing that I found by using a bunch of unusual planetary energies. There's a cross, okay? You're not gonna be able to see it um, in the regular chart that I have there. But what I will share with you that on January 22nd, 1973 at 10 in the morning, Washington DC, you will see Jupiter at 22 plus degrees of Capricorn. So that's very clear. 
Jupiter's position, you'll also see that there's a Uranus position in the seventh house. And I mentioned this in the article at 23, a little bit over 23 of Libra. Okay, here's what you don't know, all right? That um, at 22 plus degrees of, of Aries is that planet chaos, okay? That exists at the top of the United States chart, has a 309 year cycle, all right? was discovered November 19 of 1998. But if we go back to 1973, we get Jupiter, okay, 22 plus a Capricorn uh, in the upper part of the chart. We get the planet of revolution, shocks and changes, Uranus at 23 and a fraction of Libra. We have chaos at 22 and a half degrees of Aries, okay. Then toward the bottom of the chart in the fourth house, we have Orcus, which is kind of another, another far out planet has a 200 plus year cycle, like out where Pluto is around that um, area. I don't uh, have right in front of me, it's how many orbital years, but it's similar to Pluto. It's called Orcus and its energy field is similar also in that it is from the ancient Italian Etruscan area, I believe, connected to a god of uh, death or death and rebirth and the mysteries of life and so on and orcus is at 22 plus of cancer also right next to uranus is a very interesting um other celestial body um an, an asteroid called electra and electra i've studied a lot its discovery chart and so on and electra connects up to the whole idea of um a girl, um, young women in particular, who um, have father issues or difficulties relative um, to the father, okay? Um, so this goes back into Greek mythology and all kinds of things. So um, part of this has to do with things like Cinder the Cinderella fairy tale um, of young girls having challenges with uh, mother, mother figures, stepmother figures, stepsister figures and having lost their father uh, through, the, through the father's death or the disappearance of the father um, and all kinds of daughter-father issues that uh, connect up to Electra. Um, the longing for the father you, who is no longer there and the plight of individuals. Again, if you, if you work a lot with the Cinderella archetype, and I'm a co-creator of inner inner child cards um, with Isha Lerner, and this is also we have a Cinderella uh, card in there. There's a Snow White card. There's a there's all these different fairy tales and archetypes that are part of that. So I do recommend inner child cards, which have been out for 30 years. I'm also the creator of Baseball Tarot uh, with Laura Phillips, so I've created two tarot decks. But at any rate, I I do believe that the the asteroid Electra conjunct Uranus at the original um, road versus Wade decision, square to Jupiter, square to Orcus, and opposite, this is Electra with Uranus and Libra, opposite chaos at 22 plus Aries. So a couple of weeks ago, I drew onto this chart a cross, Jupiter above, Orcus below, chaos toward the east, uh, Electra and Uranus setting, a very tight cross so if you think about everything I've said before about Roe versus Wade, Sun in Aquarius, uh, the original decision, Venus above in Capricorn. There's also a Juno-Neptune conjunction in Sagittarius in 
the Roe versus Wade chart, which is conjunct the United States ascendant. Um, we see the moon, as I said, in 20 of Virgo. Um, the issue about Samuel Alito, to go back to that for one moment, um, that's that I saw, uh, and he has an exact chart. It's interesting that Samuel Alito is born with Uranus exactly setting, Capricorn rising, and Uranus, this which is the planet of freedom, he has setting. When you have something setting, generally speaking, that's as far away from who you are as an individual. It's something you need to learn about. It's something you need to accept. So this is an exact birth time, Samuel Luido, uh, Alito Jr., April 1, 1950, at 12.56 a.m. in Trenton, New Jersey, Uranus exactly setting. Um, and, and this is the contrary kind of thing to the overturning Roe versus Wade, where Saturn is exactly setting and Uranus is above. In his chart, he's got Uranus exactly setting and Saturn is above, where the moon is in a sense captured between Saturn and Juno and Mars. There's a, there's a quadruple conjunction in the ninth house, which rules over courts. He also has his sun and Mercury in Aries close to the, both Chiron positions. So Chiron, again, was rising in the first house in Aries. Um, when Roe versus Wade came into existence, 13 plus Aries, and now Chiron is at 16 of Aries um, two days ago. So Chiron has come back. So the whole issue of alternative health or the entire field of health and natural health, uh, holistic healing, shamans, mentors, teachers, uh, keys that open doors to higher consciousness, also twilight zones of strange situations, the confusion that can come out of all this because there is a higher dimensionality to, all, to what's going on here. Um, so Chiron is definitely involved, but I thought when I first looked at his chart, Alito's chart, and it was like, you gotta be kidding me. The moon is in between Saturn and Mars in Virgo, that his moon would be within two degrees of the original Roe versus Wade moon position. So, so Roe versus Wade with the moon at 20 of Virgo was always going to be something that Alito had an issue with because he has the same moon within two degrees. Currently, uh, Juno in the sky is exactly opposite at this ruling. Juno, when you think of Juno, has so much to do with peace and harmony. And it, like, like um, Venus is a key planet of women feeling empowered or disempowered. And so Juno is at 18 Pisces 33 at the overturning two days ago. And when you look at Alito's chart, his moon, an exact chart is 18 Virgo 30, which means that as um, he as the main writer of the overturning Roe versus Wade, as that happened, the transit of Juno is exactly opposite his moon. And in a couple of days with these protests going, Juno in Pisces will be exactly opposite as Juno. So Juno is a very big deal right now um, and always is an important influence. By the way, the closest alignment in the United States birth chart is Juno at 20 plus of Libra, opposite Chiron at 20 plus Aries. So um, Juno, is, and what's also interesting here is the current president and vice president of the United States, they share a Juno and Sagittarius position, okay? They both have Juno and Sagittarius, and when they came into power, uh, Biden-Harris, Juno was in Sagittarius. This is back in January 20th of 2021, which, as I shared in several podcasts now, 
a void moon going on during the current president vice president's administration i shared about the six different void moons going from the fourth roosevelt administration to jfk the second nixon administration the second clinton administration this um the first uh, obama administration and now the biden harris administration these are all void moons which often re represent all kind of anomalies and problems and challenges and uncertainties that develop because the moon has this peculiarity at the time that uh, the oath of office is taken. Uh, again, there's far too many of these issues and positions to get into. Um, just so many of them when you start looking at a whole bunch of charts. Um, but again, the Sam Alito chart um, is just pretty extraordinary what is going on here. Um, where his moon is the same as the original uh, Roe versus Wade moon, that his moon is in between Saturn and Mars, and Juno's also there, and they're all up in the ninth house of his chart. And by the way, Chiron, which uh, is two days ago at 16 plus Aries, is was, let's see, almost exactly to the minute of arc, within a couple of minutes uh, of arc, opposite his Neptune. So talk about a ruling, regardless of the fact that he thinks he's on solid ground, which so many people think is completely preposterous with his, his ideas and so on, and his research going back to witchcraft and all kinds of things that he was looking into uh, from the 1600s and 1700s to prepare for this ruling. Um, the fact that Chiron has come back after 49 years for the original Roe, Roe versus Wade, and that Chiron is exactly opposite as Neptune, and he has the Sun and Mercury and Aries surrounding the original Chiron in the first house of, of Roe. So, um, and remember, he shouldn't be on the court if Harriet Myers had been accepted. By the way, his Vesta is 25 plus of Pisces. In fact, it's uh, in his chart, his Vesta, which represents safety, security, and is a, a soul sister energy in particular, and has a lot to do with insurance as well as investments. When you think of um, women be having safe and secure um, uh, medical procedures and getting contraceptives, what are the odds that Samuel Alito Jr., who shouldn't really even be on the court, but is only on there because Harriet Myers wasn't on and George Bush Jr. needed a replacement. And then the question becomes, George Bush Jr., did he, did he actually win that election? I mean, that was decided by the Supreme Court after 36 days because of the hanging chads in Florida. And after 36 days, instead of the Supreme Court just telling Florida, look, you guys figured this out, you created, they could have had a new vote, even though it wouldn't take longer. The, the court at that point voted five to four in favor of George Bush. Um, and Al Gore said, okay, you know, fine, you guys, you know, he didn't want to create any more contention. Nevertheless, Vesta, 25, Pisces, 27. Okay, for Samuel Lito, that's his Vesta. Soul sister, energy, safety and security of women. It's, it's, I'm not saying that just because it's toward the bottom of the chart in the third house, that it has to be bad. But guess what? Transiting Neptune two days ago, 25, Pisces, 26. Within one minute of arc, 1 60th of one degree of the zodiac, Neptune, which should represent revelatory energy, psychic sensitivity. Now, again, the, the right to lifers are looking at Samuel Alito as a saint here, and everyone on the left is looking at this guy's public enemy number one. 
the reality is is that Neptune is in within one minute of arc of his Vesta. By the way, he has a Venus-Jupiter conjunction at the moon palace Quayor conjunction of the United States. The fact that he somehow got onto the court, when I said he shouldn't have even been on, well, he got on there. Also, currently, um, Jupiter is crossing his north node, the largest planet of the solar system. And the new moon we're about to have is the Sun-Jupiter square. And in the previous podcast I did about the USA tertiary progress chart um, happening at, at the shootings in Texas and in Buffalo, I shared a revelation that in what's called tertiary lunar progressions based on the moon energy um, rather than the solar energy when we do progress charts. By the way, again, I've shared before, that's available in timeline reports from our report section in the astrology shop. There's get into your progressions, energize the future, and asteroids of Chiron, three terrific three-in-one reports on sale. For $89.99. So if you've gotten this far, you know, please do look into getting these reduced price three-in-one reports, particularly where you can get into your tertiary lunar progressions in the timeline reports, the only place where you can get it uh, with the reports that we have. So about back on Graper Enterprises. So here we have um, Jupiter transiting for the first time in 12 years, exactly on the north node for Alito, so he is both beloved by the right to life movement and hated um, by uh, pro-choice movement for all that has been happening. And his chart is showing this in so many other ways, and I can't go into every other one. There's just so many prominent things because he does have an exact chart, and it's pretty fascinating to see all of this. So while I say, well, he shouldn't have been in the court, circumstances developed so that he would play this pivotal role. Otherwise, we'd have at some point, maybe a look at Harriet Myers, you know, uh, what happened with her controversial, there was something that prevented uh, George Bush Jr. from continuing with putting her up to take Sandra Day O'Connor's uh, place. What is interesting is that uh, Clarence Thomas, ultra conservative, replaced Thurgood Marshall. And this is, again, another one of these strange George Bush Sr. things, again, changing from ch pro-choice to, to pro-life overnight because he was on a ticket with Ronald Reagan who was pro-life, you know, and just like did a 360. He's the same person who selected uh, Clarence Thomas, an ultra-conservative black individual to replace Thurgood Marshall, who was not an extreme conservative. In fact, when you start reading about Clarence Thomas, he was almost like didn't want to be on the court or he was kind of nervous about it. Um, and then the other thing that's important in all this to remember is it was, oh, um, in the, in the whole uh, process of uh, Clarence Thomas um, going onto the Supreme Court, we had um, all the testimony um, against um, Clarence Thomas, and in that testimony, uh, Anita Hill was not really treated very well. She never forgave the chairman of the committee, who was J Joe Biden. And Joe Biden, according to what I just read yesterday in reviewing about that whole time period, which was in, I guess it was 1991 when Clarence Thomas went on the court um, to re uh, replace Thurgood Marshall, uh, was when Anita Hill, who was working with him, saying he, there was all these things about um, that he did to her, that he was negative, um, with giving innuation, 
insinuations about sexual types of things. So it created a whole furor. If you remember the Kavanaugh hearings from a couple of years ago, it was that even more intensely back then. And Joe Biden, as a senator, was in charge of that committee. And then toward the end, he didn't call, I guess uh, the, the committee ended its proceedings, um, kind of they cut off the proceedings and she did not have um, the, the women or other coworkers that she wanted uh, Anita Hill to prove her side of what she was and um, why she was there. And you have to always wonder, I mean, it was a different time period. Why would a woman come forward and lie about all of that? Okay, why would you come forward now? Some people listening to this might say plenty of women lie about things. That was very clearly not somebody at that point, if you look back at those hearings and so on. So the question remains, how much does Clarence Thomas, um, how much anger does this person have, soul-wise, personality-wise, regarding Joe Biden and Anita Hill? Because he goes on the court, kind of like Kavanaugh just did, with all of this scurrilous accusations that, again, he said, she said, etc., and so on. But nevertheless, to him, Clarence Thomas, and I'm sure with, with Kavanaugh as well, because I remember what Kavanaugh said a couple of years ago about his image, his family life as being besmirched, whether he was truthful or lied. I mean, that was not figured out. But women came forward in both of these particular, with these uh, Supreme Court justices to say, hey, this person did something that was sexually or um, morally or ethically wrong. And I want to speak up, you know, to confirm this as a woman. And that's what happened in both of these cases. So uh, at some point, we may take a look at the Clarence Thomas situation, because I'm convinced personally, this is just my view, that he holds an enormous grudge at this point um, regarding Joe Biden. That's all I could say. Um, I just have a feeling that that is an enormous um, issue for Clarence Thomas. Okay, let's end with this. Uh, I want to go through some of these. Uh, just These are just titles, um, and we'll end with this. There's probably about 20 of these things, maybe more of stories that I download in order to start reading this and get a, a various background. Okay, so I'm going backwards from the latest one today. Time Magazine, uh, with Roe gone, here's how to save abortion rights. Um, and this woman who wrote the article, very interesting. Supreme Court confirmed what was long suspected. Roe versus Wade is dead. I'm just reading a brief uh, like intro. No time for mourning. Let's get to work on what we must do to save our fundamental reproductive rights and so on. So that is a Time Magazine article um, from today, uh, June 26th. Uh, and also, I downloaded the Wikipedia story of, of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which, again, was the ruling from Mississippi that was affirmed and then used to overturn Roe versus Wade. So that was something I brought up here. Wall Street Journal from today, as Roe versus Wade protests roll on, abortion providers race against deadlines. That's from the Wall Street Journal. Another very interesting from the uh, this area called STAT, 
HIPAA won't protect you if prosecutors want your reproductive health records. And part of this, I remember reading, was the warnings, like whether a woman or husband, boyfriend, if, if you're thinking of looking at stuff virtually, using your email, using text messages, using a computer, and you're in a state um, that has made abortion illegal, you got to be really careful. Big Brother through this whole thing of the Supreme Court and uh, state regulators, depending on what state you're in, could come down very heavy on you and try and prosecute you criminally. So people now have to be very careful virtually of who you're writing to um, and so on. And another article, from the very moment of fertilization, a woman has no rights to speak of. Um, and let's see, so that came in today. Some of this comes from Spark smart news an app i've had and they have various uh, articles and magazines and online virtual kind of things planned parenthood of wisconsin announces it's temporarily suspending abortion services after scotus ruling okay so that's happening in wisconsin and the one thing having lived in wisconsin they have one of these trigger laws laws that may or already is coming back in the books from 1849 uh, going against abortion. So in, if you're a woman in Wisconsin, um, this is a big deal going on in that state. Of course, we know Mississippi, Texas, Alabama, Missouri, some of these states have been in, in the news because they all sort of um, have the same view for the most part from the state's standpoint. Okay, let's see. As Roe Falls religious abortion rights advocates prepare for the next step. This is again, um, I would recommend smart, smart news, one word, um, and it's an app. And then you can put, it could be about sports. It could be about the world. It could be about the environment. It could be major stories. It could be about nuclear. You can select all your topics and whether you want left or right or center or all these organizations, Reuters, ABC News, uh, I get things from all over the world, all different levels to see, left, right, center, up, down. What is everybody saying so that I have a variety? Um, historian Ruth Ben-Giat says, Roe overturn echoes Hitler and fascist Spain, reversing the emancipation of, of women in every way. So that was also part of this Smart News app today. Maureen Dowd, um, writer for the New York Times, um, Maureen Dowd, The Radical Reign of Clarence Thomas. That is her article today. I read part of that, and that looked really, really interesting. I mean, she hit several nails on the head. The Guardian, this is another one of these periodicals that I look at frequently, a variety of viewpoints. With the end of Roe, the U.S. edges closer and closer to civil war. Uh, a note here, the question is no longer whether there will be a civil conflict in America. The question is how the sides will divide and who will prevail. By the way, as I've shared in many podcasts, Neptune is opposing our Neptune. Hasn't happened since just before the actual civil war. I've shared several different views on Neptune and Pisces going opposite our Neptune and Virgo and our chaos in Virgo, which we now know is at the top of the U.S. chart with Neptune. And the fact that Pluto has come back this year and was still going to come back in July and, and December. So this article in The Guardian about the U.S. edging closer closer to civil war, very, very intriguing um, what was said there. 
from NPR, National Public Radio, for doctors, abortion restrictions create an impossible choice, quote unquote, when providing care. A note here, physicians must treat in line with patients' wishes and standards of care. Some medical ethicists say the abortion bans will force doctors to disregard these obligations in order to follow the law. Now, one other thing that's coming up here is in these states that are, have the trigger laws where abortion is being declared illegal or they're getting on top of all that and creating these serious problems for women who want to have an abortion, these pills that you can get from, from the mail, which the FDA has approved, and Merrick Garland, who should have been on the Supreme Court but wasn't allowed by McConnell at the end of the Obama administration, Merrick Garland is now the Attorney General of the United States, and he came out on Friday afternoon literally saying, hey, the pills and the drugs to induce an, an abortion are still available, and that he said, at least for the moment, and again, this would go to the Supreme Court, he said that from the standpoint of the Justice Department, he made a major announcement, Merrick Garland did, that states cannot overrule what the Federal Drug Administration has initiated about these two particular drugs that women have been getting through the mail that say you're in the state of Louisiana or Texas or Mississippi and your state is saying you can't have an abortion. The mailing of these particular medicines and drugs to, to get the abortion to happen from home or doing it in some way that you have the facility that the states can't prevent that. Now that will probably have to go to the Supreme Court and the odds are this, this Supreme Court would probably overturn that, but like, when would they rule on that? But he wanted to say for the moment that states can't prevent women in those states from getting the mailings of these drugs. So that came out as one thing that the federal government, through Merrick Garland in the, in the Justice Department, it's like, what could the federal government do? And that was one of the things. It doesn't mean that that is an easy solution to get these drugs, but at least at least it's one way for the moment, unless that gets overturned, what the Justice Department said, that women can get these drugs. Now, again, we that could develop a fight of prosecutors and different people who hear of somebody in Louisiana or Texas or Missouri or wherever it may be, North Dakota, different states, Idaho, and so on, that are preventing women. There's at least 16 states, Wisconsin, these trigger laws that have been on the books to prevent women from having an abortion coming into being really, really soon. So it's, by the way, one other thing I wanted to say was Saturn exactly setting in the overturning of Roe versus Wade chart in Aquarius creates an enormous amount of fear. It's fear coming from the idea of Saturn, a group of patriarchal type figures, whether we like patriarchy or not. I mean, again, Saturn is the key planet of the more conservative patriarchal vibration. And part of the thing on a neg negative level, Saturn can represent some wonderful qualities, hard work, determination, being in charge, logic, reason, you know, determination, responsibility, you know, and so some of the Saturn principles do, you know, uh, connect up with the idea of if somebody's going to have sex with another person, they should be careful, they should know what they're doing, you want to use a contraceptive or whatever, you should make your decisions, you know, if you are able to do so freely, to know who you're getting involved with, what you're going to do, and have a discussion about all those things would be like a positive use of Saturn. But Saturn on the shadow side, 
does connect up to fear and uh, restrictions and limitations and so on. And Saturn setting in Aquarius is part of all this energy. And I just shared that Samuel Lido Jr., the architect of this, has his moon in Virgo, conjunct the moon from the original Roe versus Wade, and uh, in between Saturn, Juno, and Mars in his ninth house of court rulings. I mean, you can't make this up. It's just unbelievably significant. Okay, um, Washington Post uh, from yesterday, Supreme Court prompts the question, who gets rights in America? And I started sharing about all that because, again, women were not given rights until, I mean, even to vote until August 26, 1920. And when the framers of the Constitution, all white men who owned land, had many having slaves, positions of power, uh, it's not as if there were a whole bunch of uh, people from other faiths of Judaism or Islam and other uh, or Native Americans, so on. Again, they're the ones who came up with the three-fifths compromise of rep what represented an, a non uh, it was basically for a black individual or a slave who is male, not female necessarily. I mean, the, all these things that were, they, they didn't even say it. They didn't even say the, the, the words. They weren't being honest in what they were writing about. They used kind of euphemisms in what they're doing. But they spent all this time trying to decide for voting reasons of the black population of slaves in different states. They spend all this time. This is the father of the Constitution who owned slaves himself, James Madison. Is it should should these individuals, uh, black slaves, male slaves, be considered one third of a person, two thirds of a person, three fourths of a person? And they spent actually all this time. These are the people that that um, the conservative justices, originalists, want to go back to these ideas. Uh, there where women were not didn't have any vote they weren't part of the constitution and there was no bill of rights either going on there i mean part of this becomes crazy after a while when you start thinking it through uh, okay so who gets rights in america uh, another one from smart news what police could find out about your illegal abortion okay so now aside from worrying about the police in general and authority figures and Depending on what state you're in, there's that issue. What happens when women get illegal abortions in post-Roe America? There's another title from Smart News from yesterday. That's in case you want to download Smart News. At least I'm giving you the dates and times. Um, from Vox, V-O-X. They're a very interesting place for information. Well-written articles. The end of Roe versus Wade explained. That was from yesterday. But it was from Apple News. Okay, there. Um, the Lonely Chief, How John Roberts Lost Control of the Court. Um, I still find this very interesting because Pluto is going to hit his Chiron, which is at 2959. This is Chief Justice John Roberts, and he has a son in, at six of Aquarius. So Pluto is going, after the Pluto return at the end of Capricorn, Pluto's going to go into Aquarius. And with our next election and president, Pluto is going to be, when we when the next president is inaugurated, assuming something doesn't happen between now and January 20th, 2025, there's going to be a Sun-Pluto conjunction in early Aquarius. And so Pluto is going to wind up hit, being with the Sun at the next president and vice president inauguration for the four-year term of January 20th of 2025. And as I've shared before, Mars is going to be retrograde in the sign Cancer, which happens every two, 32 years. Mars was retrograde 
uh, when JFK became president. That was a, a void moon as well. And then um, 32 years later, in 1993, at the first Bill Clinton inauguration, he wasn't, it wasn't a void moon. But Mars was retrograde exactly on the sun when, when Bill Clinton and Al Gore took their oath of office January 20th of 1993. And that was an extraordinary time period. Mars retrograde exactly on the sun of the United States. And we wound up having Waco. Okay, we also had, even before Waco, a month after all this, we had the first bombing of the World Trade Center. I've shared in my podcast about timeline to wars, history repeating itself from 1993. Uh, hold on one second. I have that right in front of me. I just did that, what, two or three podcasts ago. Um, you can see that um, timeline to war about um, where the, I linked the Titanic April 14th and 15th, 1912, and the sinking of the Titanic to um, the beginning of World War One, the assassination of the Archduke, which, by the way, the new moon that's about to happen on June 28th and in two days is on the anniversary of the Sunday, June 28th, 1914 assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand by Gavrilo Princip, a 19-year-old uh, radical from an organization known as the Black Hand. He was a Bosnian uh, Serb. If you think about the person with the AK-47, the 18-year-old who killed so many different uh, people in Buffalo, particularly he focused on black individuals, um, and then the 18-year-old in Uvalde, killing those students um, in the terrible shooting in, in uh, the elementary school and teachers. He was also 18 years old. Well, what, what set the match, what triggered World War I was on a, on a Sunday in Sarajevo, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife Sophie were both gunned down uh, on a Sunday by this 19-year-old who... Um, Basically, a month later, uh, the world went to war, Europe went to war, and then the seeds of that led to the Second World War and so on. So, uh, anyway, timeline towards history repeating itself. When Bill Clinton and Al Gore took their first oath, January 20th, 1993, Mars was retrograde at 13 plus a cancer. And uh, uh, we had February 26, we got the first tra Trade Center bombing in the basement of the World Trade Center. There's an exact birth chart for that. And then we had the Waco apocalypse uh, in April 19 of 1993. And then we wound up two years later exactly, uh, we wound up with Timothy McVeigh with the Oklahoma City bombing with Terry Nichols in support. And we learned that uh, Timothy McVeigh, who had been in the Army, had been at Waco and had, had uh, seen that uh, fire uh, killing all the different people from the Branch Davidians and so many different children. So that's what launched uh, Timothy McVeigh to using April 19, uh, 1995, two years later, for the Oklahoma City bombing. So 32 years from the Bill Clinton-Al Gore first inauguration, January 20th, 1993, we're going to have Mars retrograde again. There's not going to be a void moon. Um, but we're going to have Sun conjunct Pluto in Aquarius. And we've never had Sun conjunct Pluto um, since the inauguration day, which traditionally had been March 4th, was moved to January 20th because of um, we didn't want to wait from November all the way to March and a lame duck Congress. 
This is what happened during the um, first Roosevelt administration uh, in 1933, but it didn't get started until January 20th of 1937. So since January 20th, 1937, and every four years, we've never had Pluto conjunct the sun when a president and a vice president take the oath of office. That's what's going to happen. That's, you know, we've thought how significant was it when Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton to put in different people in the Supreme Court. Now we know three conservative justices went in there and we don't know where everything's going to go with the midterms, um, which is going to be November 8th on the day of a total lunar eclipse. The sun will be opposite Uranus, the moon will be conjunct Uranus. It's going to be an extraordinary thing. But at any rate, John Roberts' um, article, how John Roberts lost control of the court. And I, I put out his chart a couple years ago when I started these podcasts. I was doing the progressed sun and the progressed palace Athena having a lot to do with justice and law and knowledge and wisdom and problem solving. Shared a lot about Pallas Athena from one of my main teachers, Eleanor Bach, who came out with the first asteroid ephemeris for Ceres, Pallas Athena, June, and Vesta, which is why I've been into the goddess energies, not just Venus and Moon, but particularly the four main asteroids, and now Sedna and Eris, Sedna having an 11,400-year orbit, Eris having a 566-year orbit, all these outer planets, whether named after female deities or male deities, it's all very amazing, the names that they have and that they're all part of our charts and so on. But at any rate, I had hoped that John Roberts would somehow be able to curtail the more extreme energies of, uh, as, as somebody said today on television, uh, and usually we don't use the word radical all the time for right wing, but the conservative um, group now um, on the court, as one uh, woman said today on TV, that's a radical and a radical group of people with radical proposals, particularly if they go in the Clarence Thomas direction. And imagine where we are today with all these protests if the Supreme Court were to overturn the right to have, say, get contraceptives or overturn same sex marriage or something that Clarence Thomas may not have intended or want because he's married to a white woman, overturn interracial marriage. I mean, where will this stop? And again, this goes back to the 14th Amendment and the Ninth Amendment and other amendments um, of freedoms. You know, where are the liberties? Who gets these rights um, and who don't? Okay, um, from also Smart News, Alito ignores abortion backlash, backlash and rebuffs justices' critiques. Um, White House prepares to fight states over abortion. And again, I just mentioned Merrick Arlen as Attorney General with his statement saying that states cannot prevent women from getting these drugs that have been authorized from the Federal Drug Administration. So here we have another contentious thing, but that's what Merrick Arlen said yesterday. Um, Washington Post from yesterday. We're done. Chaos and tears as an abortion clinic abruptly shuts down. Houston, Texas. The phone started ringing as they always did moments after Houston Women's Reproductive Services opened for business at 9 a.m. on Friday, Central Time, with patients in need of abortions calling to secure a spot on the schedule. And what happened was once the ruling came through and people were calling in Houston, Texas, women who want to get abortions, the clinic said, we can't do it. The, the ruling just happened. So in Texas, sorry, 
creating all kinds of fear and worry, uh, difficulties right off the spot. The Guardian, world leaders condemn abortion ruling as, quote, backward step, unquote. Leaders of UK, Canada, France, and New Zealand denounced the overruling of Roe versus Wade as the World Health Organization chief calls it disappointing. Uh, National Geographic, which I find their stories to be amazing on all kinds of things, many of which are not politics at all, but history and nature, whatever it may be. National Geographic created an article, you might want to tune into this one, the tumultuous history that led to the landmark Roe versus Wade ruling. And they just mentioned briefly here, this is uh, from Apple News. In the 1960s, support for abortion mounted as two public health crises caused miscarriages and severe health problems among newborn children setting the stage for the historic U.S. Supreme Court case. Um, Slate, um, usually this is considered more liberal, Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch are destroying their mentor's legacy, which was about, um, I always want to say Arthur, who's an actor. Anthony Kennedy was the mentor to both Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch. This is a very interesting article because if you don't read some of these things, who are their mentors? This is part of the thing that's very interesting. And also, as I said before, who was replacing who? Clarence Thomas was intimidated because he had to replace Thurgood Marshall. So that, you know, he was at least, I haven't read his biography, but he was interviewed. And I think part of it is that that was going to be an enormous thing. How, as a black man, was he going to live up to the legacy of a Thurgood Marshall who was not exactly Mr. Conservative. So I think that whole issue of George Bush Sr. choosing another black individual to replace Thurgood Marshall, but in his mind, Clarence Thomas had all these issues. And then, as I said, then he goes and he's disparaged by Anita Hill and Joe Biden is in charge of that committee. So my sense is we go back, this is going back to 1991. So what is that? 30, 31 years ago, you see, can a person, why not hold a grudge against now the person who's president of the United States, who was chairman of a committee where Anita Hill, an employee working with Clarence Thomas is revealing all these, and I, and I do find it ironic, all these secrets, all these individual things that supposedly went on between the two of them where he's saying something to her that she's saying was sexual or in, you know, making her uncomfortable or doing all these different things. And then he's denying that he said it. And now we have a whole thing where women are being denied the right to not only have an abortion, but potentially to get contraception. Uh, and Clarence Thomas, more so than Alito at this point, is the one who's pointing and saying, hey, a lot of these other liberties are at stake here. Same sex, contraception, whatever, including possibly interracial marriage, of which he is involved with. So, um, but if you think it through about what he personally went through and how angry he was that a fellow worker, in this case a woman, Anita Hill, was saying in public, he said these things to me. And I remember watching those proceedings with Joe Biden in charge, and it was not exactly the greatest committee. And you could tell that... Uh, Clarence Thomas was very, very upset about being there and having to negate these views, whether he was truthful or not. Okay, so um, again, Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch, they're not exactly following their mentor, Anthony Kennedy, 
And it's a fascinating article in Slate about what Anthony Kennedy, who went on the court from Ronald Reagan, wound up not being so conservative and focusing on liberty issues, you know, the rights of individuals as the Constitution and the United States change, and we have different amendments, and time goes on, and so on. So Anthony Kennedy, as the mentor to Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch, they um, are not... At any rate, read the article uh, from Slate. And again, here's the one. U.S. Attorney General says states can't ban abortion pills that are approved by the FDA. And that's coming from Smart News, but I'm sure you can find that story in many different places. And again, Justice Thomas hints gay rights and contraception at at risk after conservative majority overturns Roe versus Wade. I'll just read a couple more and we'll end here. What is happening here is another one. Uh, let's see. Uh, emotional Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, slashes at Trump and Republicans over cruel Roe versus Wade decision. Again, uh, she said something very interesting, which was the New York ruling the day before, that justices are saying, hey, the federal government's Second Amendment of the right to bear arms is trumping, shall we say, no pun intended, but overruling the New York state right to decide whether citizens and individuals in New York can carry a gun. So in that case, the justice saying, hey, federal government, yes. States' rights, no. In this case, it's like, yeah, the state can overrule the federal government Roe versus Wade. And um, so we got decisions in less than 24 hours or so of the exact opposite uh, principles at work here. The Atlantic. If the Supreme Court can reverse Roe, it can reverse anything. And that's from The Atlantic uh, magazine, often very interesting stories. Wall Street Journal, Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade, eliminates constitutional right to abortion. Okay, so let's see what else. Um, Thousands travel to Florida for abortions. The Supreme Court's ruling could change that. So that's interesting about Florida. Let's see what else. Supreme Court's liberal justices warn more rights are at stake with the end of Roe versus Wade. No one should be confident that the majority is done with its work. Uh, let's see where we are time-wise. Okay, two, I'll end here in a moment. Um, two hours and 13 minutes. The Supreme Court throwing out abortion rights could undo much of of women's economic progress since the 1970s. This is going to create just a perfect storm of concentrated human misery. Um, I remember starting to read that and I thought, you know, part of the thing, regardless of Alito and Clarence Thomas and Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Barrett coming together to overrule Roe versus Wade and a woman's right to choose, is all of the changes of social attitudes. I was a social science, multidisciplinary social science major at Michigan State University, and that's when I got started doing all my writing. I've shared this before in a number of podcasts. And um, that to me, I mean, there's just so many nuances of this. And as I said earlier, FDA FDA authorizing pills, two different kinds of drugs and pills for women, get through the mail. Now there's going to be those issues, the big brother issue of who's watching you, the police. Um, In some of these states, vigilantes can turn in a person or the doctor. Um, So every 
the whole fear mentality here, which connects up to Saturn. So where all this goes after the midterm elections, I mean, before you know it, we're going to have Saturn activating the United States moon, Pallas, Athena, and Quaor, those three, all at 27 of Aquarius. That's happening in the next, down the road at the toward the end of this year into the beginning of next year after the midterms and around the time that the midterms if they do go into the direction of republicans taking the set in the house we'll see whether that happens i mean uranus is a planet of who knows what's going to happen outside the box change revolution uncertainty uh iconoclastic energies eclectic energies so you never know what would happen but a total lunar eclipse on the day of the midterm elections, sun opposite Uranus, moon conjunct Uranus, and with the razor's edge between the Democrats and Republicans in both houses, if they go both Republican, then that's going to create all kinds of other storms, and Saturn will be then crossing over um, into uh, exactly on the moon palace, and Quayor uh, for America it hasn't happened for 29 years. By the way, Kamala Harris, regardless of your opinion of her, she's in a career cycle or a professional cycle or advancement cycle. She has Saturn above in late Aquarius. She's born 1964, and she's about to have her second Saturn return to the top of her chart. And we know Joe Biden is no spring chicken. He's going to be turning 80 a couple of weeks after these midterms, and he hasn't indicated whether he wants to run again, but it would be shocking to have an 82-year-old person running for president for re-election in 2024 uh, versus whether it's Donald Trump. If he were to actually run, he would be 76, so or 70, yeah, around 76. Uh, let's see, no, he'd be older than that. I think, no, 78. He would be 78 years old in 2024. We'd have an 82-year-old Democrat running against a 78-year-old Republican for a rematch is that what the country wants? Is this where we're going? Um, all I know is that for me, from a liberal or conservative perspective, a Democrat or Republican or independent, my I don't know where anybody else is out there. I don't think we should be having 80-year-old people being presidents of the country. As I shared before, you know, we look at Margaret Thatcher, and I was literally in England and Scotland that night that she became uh, in May of 1979, I guess it was, early May. I was I stopped at a pub um, before I was get, going back to Findhorn, where I was living, and my, my eldest daughter was about to be born a couple months later. And uh, she became the first uh, prime, woman prime minister, and she was uh, only 52 years old. Okay, uh, 50, uh, I think she was about 50... 53 years old, yeah, 53 years old, sorry, 53 years old, and I've always thought for America to have uh, its first woman president, that's why uh, a number of years ago, Hillary Clinton was almost 70, and at any rate, just knowing um, age and, you know, the, the ages of presidents, Ronald Reagan was 69 when he became president, we now know that in a second term, he what had developed Alzheimer's, and Joe Biden uh, being turning 80, uh, Donald Trump being 78 in two years. I just think from both parties' perspectives, this is not a great scenario to have. So anyway, that's just 
some of my thoughts on that. Um, what else do we have here? Um, I guess that's about it. Okay, I think that's enough of indicating. I just wanted you to have a smattering of things. I do still recommend Smart News uh, as an app, and it's free and so on and so forth to get different kind of news. Speaking of apps, one other thing of marketing, which I don't like, but we do have from the Cosmic Calendar that I created 41 years ago that used to be at the center of welcome planet Earth. If you haven't yet downloaded it, okay, to your Apple phone, your Android phone, iPhone or Android phone, it's free one day to a time. Astrology Cosmic Calendar, calendar with a K. And uh, it's pennies a day by subscription. And if you do dis uh, go subscribe, you can go into the future. So that's how you become a futurist to see ahead, not just one day at a time, which is totally free. That's great. But if you want to go a week into the future, two weeks into the future, three weeks into the future, and so on. I'm just working on more dates for July to get us um, over a month into the future. Usually it's three weeks into four weeks into the future with the Cosmic Calendar. If you subscribe for a year for $49.99, which is pennies a day, it was like 15 cents a day or something, then um, you get a free heaven knows what report sent to you attachment to email on your birth chart, your main transits. And also if you have a child in your family, it's called the child star natal report for a child in your family, extended family, two amazing reports that are, have values of 60 to $70 are complimentary, but it's only if you do the one year and it would then renew on your credit card every year, $49.99. Subscriptions to the, to the Cosmic Calendar used to be $85, so they're a lot less than they've been. And as I said, the other thing, the last podcast was on tertiary lunar progressions. They're utterly fascinating. That was podcast 97. And we do have the three-in-one special reports. Get into your progressions. Um, this is These are reports that you order, $89.99. They're normally $150. And if you order the one that has the one-year timeline and solar arc uh, uh, predictions, as well as life progressions, three different kinds of progress reports. One is on secondary progressions, which is called life progressions. The, the timeline for one year, which is a sensational report, can normally, it's uh, secondary progressions and we'll call solar arc directions. But if you order it now to learn more about the tertiary lunar progressions, I'll substitute tertiary lunar progressions for solar arc. And there's also what's called solar arc predictions. Three fantastic reports to get into your progressions. Progressions are not transits. They're more powerful. They're deeper. They're slower. They're different. So that's get into your progressions, fabulous for $89.99. The other one is energize your future, which is sky within NATO report, Skylog on transits and secondary progressions designed by Stephen Forrest, a great astrologer used to write for Welcome Planet Earth, has a fantastic practice, practice. And those are the two, what I think best written interpretation reports, the sky with the natal and Skylog for a whole year. And you also get an advanced personal numerology report. That's a three-in-one package as well, already discounted to $89.99 from $150. The other one is Asteroids and Chiron, four Asteroids and Chiron, a year of Skylog, and just for women. So more of the feminine side of things, a three-in-one series of reports. And all I can do is recommend it, hope that you get into all of that 
and um, we've got individual other reports in the astrology shop at greatbrandenterprise.com in the astrology report area. So I will look forward to hearing uh, back from all of you. Thank you for listening. Um, we are all in this together, and we don't want to have chaos, literally the planet called chaos, and the shadow of Neptune, which can be confusion instead of enlightenment. And we certainly want more of the positive Pluto, which could be metamorphosis, to die to the old energies that are no longer necessary and be reborn into something positive of using our creative willpower to make the world a better place and not push things down through phobias and so on. Again, with Saturn also, can we use Saturn for logic and reason and responsibility and hard work and determination rather than old karma and restrictions and limitations for half the population of this country, for the women of the United States who were never given the right to vote until August 26, 1920, and who are not part of the original constitutional, the Continental Congress, landowning, um, slave, often slave-owning uh, uh, white individuals who put all this stuff together 200-plus years ago. Uh, it's great to have a country um, of the 13 colonies succeeding against the British, but again, this was a Iranian victory in 1781. Individual rights, shocks, surprises, the energy field beyond Saturn, beyond limits, beyond restrictions, a whole new world to open up to new ideas, things that we don't necessarily always agree with, things that, that may be inconsistent rather than consistent. So that's, the, that's what freedom and liberty are all about for everyone, not just for a small group of individuals. Okay, it's for as many people as possible, and that's part of the whole evolution of the country at least as I'm seeing it. So again, I've shared with you what I wrote in 1989 of three different uh, Supreme Court rulings, and now here we are um, going forward. So um, let's keep our faith that the country is able to somehow hold together. I certainly don't want any kind of civil war, although it feels like some of these articles and the, the protests and the tensions but we'll know a lot more coming up in the fall with the midterms. And one other little thing, which I will definitely do a podcast about, is Mars stopping on October 30th at 25 of Gemini for two plus months. Whenever Mars goes retrograde, it does it for about 80 days. It does it every two years. And Mars is going to stop at 25 Gemini, very close to the discovery degree of Uranus from March 13, 1781. Where Mars is going to stop is the new moon before birth for our country. Uh, the new moon before America had its Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776, was in mid-June of 1776. So the new moon, which is in an absolutely exact chart, 25 Gemini, that's where Mars is going to stop on October 30th. And it's also the rising area and the, the nodal position for Kamala Harris, the first woman vice president, of the United States, who's also a woman of color, who's also about to have his, her second Saturn return in Aquarius when Saturn is crossing the United States moon, Pallas Athena and Quaor, we have a vice president who somehow, in a career professional advancement cycle, Saturn going to the top of her chart. Her polls may be very low, a lot of people may not like her, but for some reason she's there. Just like I said, is that an accident? Everybody said, well, her, you know, nobody likes her, she's got such a small percentage. She's also born 
even more exactly at a full moon than Donald Trump, who was born at a full moon and a total lunar eclipse. And now we have the first woman serving as vice president, born almost exactly at a full moon, and the nodes of the moon are rising and setting, and they're the new moon before birth for the United States, and that's where Mars is going to be October 30th, and then Mars will not stop until January, where it com comes back to around 8 of Gemini, the United States Uranus position, and during the time, um, um, during this whole time period, even before we get to October 30th, Mars will return to its own position in the U.S. chart at 21 plus a Gemini. Then it will stop on October 30th at 25 a Gemini. Then it will, by retrograde motion, it will go back on top of its own natal position at 21 a Gemini um, in November of this year, very much in sync with the midterm elections. And Mars will keep retrograding until, I think it's January 12th, it will eventually stop retrograding at 8 of Gemini or 9 of Gemini, which is the United States Uranus. So this whole Uranian energy, which is so powerful for who we are or who we're supposed to be as a country of a revolutionary country, overthrowing uh, the British, over, overthrowing an empire and being able to be 13 colonies growing into 15, 50 states and overseas territories. We've got these serious issues, and Mars is going to, the, the traditional planet of war, but it's also a planet of agriculture and individual rights, a planet that rules Aries and also still rules Scorpio, co-rules with, with Pluto. And Mars is a big player in all this, and the fact that it's going to be in Gemini, um, which is also connected to the flag, I shared a lot of those positions, and where we just had the ruling just now uh, that just occurred. Um, in the overturning, we've got, um, let's see, uh, we've got Mercury in Gemini, we've got Venus in Gemini, so that's all happening. And in the original row chart, uh, we have Saturn in Gemini in row versus wave. And again, the U.S. flag, um, this is all connected to Gemini, and this is where the United States has both Mars and Uranus, both of those planets in the U.S. chart in Gemini. So three Mars returns coming up later this year into the beginning of 2023. And Mars just being unbelievably powerful as we have the midterm elections. And then whoever is elected into Congress on the, that date on November 8th, then they, they get installed into the next Congress. And it's that next Congress of Senate and House for 2023-2004, which will then determine what's going to happen in uh, the election of two, in, in November of 2024. And then who becomes president, vice president, January 20th, 2025, when Mars is retrograde, again at that point, but in the sign Cancer, no void moon, but a Sun-Pluto conjunction to start off that administration going from January 20th, 2025, for four years. So there's so much at stake. It just seems like we're pouring it on, we're pouring on, Pluto has come back in the U.S. chart, Neptune's opposing our own position. There are so many other planetary energies, eclipses, and other things I'll be talking about as we go along, particularly the big eclipse, total solar eclipse, April 8th of 2024, which, by the way, will be exactly conjunct Chiron uh, at 19 of Aries. We're, we're heading for a Chiron return for the United States itself. We just saw that Roe versus Wade has come back, the same Chiron, 49 plus years later, the same Chiron, with all these issues of Chiron, holistic healing, shamans, mentors, twilight zones, um, 
keys that open doors to higher consciousness. Really, are we going to utilize the higher Chiron energies? And remember, Chiron is involved by being opposite Juno, which I was just explaining. The current Juno is exactly opposite Samuel Alito's moon, precisely as this, this ruling comes in. And Juno is in, in Pisces is going to be a, a, opposing his own Juno. And he's got that fo those four celestial values, moon, uh, Saturn, moon, Juno, uh, Mars in his ninth house of courts with Uranus setting exactly uh, with his Venus-Jupiter conjunction in Aquarius on our moon palace Quayar and his, uh, what was the other thing? <laughs> I don't have it right in front of me. Oh yeah, his Vesta. Neptune is exactly on his Vesta, which is soul, sister, energy, safety, and security, particularly of women. And Neptune is exactly at this point where he has come up with this ruling. Talk about the shadow side of Neptune, of confusion and illusion and so on. Although from the, the highly religious groups, okay, who are pro-life individuals, they see this as like, wow, as I said before, they see Samuel Lito Jr. as this great savior who's come forward with these profound views in order to uh, push a more church over state agenda. Uh, our country is supposed to have a separation of church and state, regardless of one's religious beliefs about God or Christianity or Judaism or Islam or any other religion about children and fertilization and where life begins and so on. The country was founded on the idea of a separation between any kind of religious reality and, and the state. So if we don't have that, if that disappears somehow and we turn into a uh, I mean, this is the same thing we're fighting against in Iran and those countries where you have the Ayatollah. Okay, so if we go in that direction, then should we be fighting the Iranians, okay, anymore? That's another whole issue. And other countries where the leader is a religious authority. So this gets back into issues like John F. Kennedy being the first Catholic to become president, having to give a speech in Houston. I just shared that in Houston two days ago, women were calling for their appointments and then the ruling came through to overturn Roe versus Wade and at the clinic in Houston they said sorry we can't do anything it would be illegal that's the same town John F. Kennedy went in September of 1960 in front of 500 Protestant ministers who gave him a standing ovation right when he said I am not going because again JFK being the first Catholic president who's the only other Catholic president Joe Biden as I shared before, Joe Biden, born November 20th of 1942, is born on the birthday of Robert Kennedy, who was the attorney general at the Cuban Missile Crisis, helping his brother to prevent a nuclear exchange between the Russians and the Americans and Cuba during those 13 days. So now we have a president who's their second Catholic. The, the first president needed to explain to Protestant ministers in Houston, again, gave him a standing ovation that the Pope in Rome was not going to be directing him to do anything on a religious level, that he was his own man, JFK, who's born, by the way, with Mercury and Uranus, both stationary, and whose son in Gemini was on the United States Uranus. Again, the key planet of revolution, freedom, and so on. Look, you. by the way, please do go to the Earth Aquarius news section. Uh, sorry to elongate this podcast, but the Earth Aquarius News section, which used to be the name of Great Bear Enterprises, uh, plural, the website currently, it used to be called Earth Aquarius News for a while. 
And that's our that's the news area of many of the articles I've written. And one of the key areas I've studied is JFK's assassination and his birth chart. So I wrote, which was the cover story back in the last issue we ever did, um, The Wound That Never Heals. It was about Chiron being stationary in the day that President Kennedy was slain in Dallas. The Wound That Never Heals, America's turning point of the 20th century. And I do believe since November 22nd, 1963, and then Lyndon Johnson becoming president. Remember, Johnson died the afternoon at his ranch in Texas on the day that Roe versus Wade was passed. And Roe versus Wade, coming from this name of Jane Roe, was a Texas case. The irony or the synchronicity of Lyndon Johnson, who succeeded John F. Kennedy, and where, yes, we got civil rights, and we got great society, but we also got the Vietnam War. And it's pretty clear from a lot of the different um, background that we have now with what JFK wanted to do versus what the CIA and the military, that John F. Kennedy was not exactly, as a younger guy, into starting, elaborating the war. We had advisors in Vietnam, that was sort of it. Um, and he did not want hundreds of thousands of troops at least that was his initial idea. Maybe he would have changed if he had been reelected somehow and sent, started sending troops. But his instinct, because of the Bay of Pigs invasion that failed and other things, and civil rights and other kinds of things, was not to get embroiled in, in that war. And I just saw an article that, hopefully it's true, I don't see why it isn't, that Douglas MacArthur, the commander that so many people, including my father, who was in the Pacific, didn't admire... If you remember what happened, um, Harry Truman uh, <laughs> canned him, basically said, you know, you are out of a job because MacArthur, during the Korean War, wanted to potentially use nuclear weapons against the, the Chinese, okay, who were on the side of the North Vietnamese. And of course, we're on the South, South uh, excuse me, the North Koreans versus the South Koreans. And this is what made Harry Truman in a disagreement with Douglas MacArthur, uh, fire him. And so then he gave the, this famous speech about old soldiers never die, they just fade away to a joint session of Congress. MacArthur, like people like Eisenhower, Patton, uh, and so many others, Bradley, during World War II, was this larger-than-life figure. I remember I got a book from my dad. Uh, my dad's past, bless his soul, back in 2002, but he was... A doctor and he was stationed in the Philippines and I sent him a book about the war and what I you know uh, I didn't always send books to my parents but he was living in Florida and I sent him a book and I thought he'd really like it <laughs> I didn't I talked to him I said dad the book about the war and stuff did, have you gotten into it and he sort of said yeah I said dad I thought you'd like it he said uh, he used some kind of negative term he said that the Big picture of D Douglas MacArthur, General Douglas, Douglas MacArthur is on like the back cover. And a lot of us didn't really like who he was, having to do with either ego, whatever it was. Now, let, that was just my dad's opinion. And I'm sure there were so many other people who loved Douglas MacArthur and his leadership and so on. But that was a personal thing that happened. So I never got my dad another book that had Douglas, Douglas MacArthur on the cover. The reason I bring this up and I'll close with this is that I just read a story that Douglas MacArthur had a meeting with John F. Kennedy and it was kind of a private meeting and somebody just wrote about this and at the meeting 
this is as uh, JFK with, was either running for president or he'd already become president, according to this author, um, Douglas MacArthur said to the young John F. Kennedy, do not get the United States involved in a major war in Southeast Asia. And that was because Douglas MacArthur saw by this time the Korean War, which has still never been resolved, okay, um, there's still 38th parallel, we, what, 32,000 American troops on the border between North and South Korea with Kim Jong-un over there and so on, testing nuclear weapons and so on. And um, when John F. So, so Douglas MacArthur's advice was to JFK, and the, the person writing this article said that John F. Kennedy, again, who's a tremendous intellect and had written several books, uh, before Profiles of Courage, he had, he had written Why England Slept, and he was basically a writer and a, and a journalist and an author. I'm, uh, uh, JFK pushed into the presidency by his dad. But at any rate, the point was, the author of this story said that JFK took enormous amounts of notes listening to the to Douglas MacArthur, okay, who's advising him do not get involved. And this is exactly what happened after JFK's assassination over so many years, several hundred thousand American troops, and we all know where all that led to, the amazing loss of life, um, and eventually North the North Vietnamese being fundamentally victorious uh, there and now a united, a united nation of North and South. And um, it's now decades since that particular time. So it was like, be careful. And this was what Eisenhower had told the nation in his speech on January 19th, uh, 1961, the day before JFK took the oath of office. That's when Dwight Eisenhower the, the leader of the, the Allies in June, June 6, 1944, liberating France to eventually win World War II, his whole speech, beware the military-industrial complex. So we had George Washington, when he left the office, after eight years, he gave his farewell address in New York, Francis Tavern in New York, a tavern in New York, like saying, be careful to get getting involved in foreign wars. General George Washington shared that. And then Eisenhower, the day before JFK, the young president took the oath saying, beware the military industrial complex. So it's very, very interesting, some of these historical figures. And again, as I said, Samuel Alito Jr. getting on the court because a woman named Harriet Myers somehow was derailed and leading to Samuel Alito Jr. If we don't look back at these events, these unusual moments in time, including Uranus being discovered on March 13, 1781, in the last year, which turned the whole tide in favor of the 13 colonies against the British Empire, leading to Cornwallis surrendering uh, October 19th of 1781, and which is, has a chart in and of itself that's all powerful. Okay. Well, listen, many blessings to all of you. Um, as you know, I, there's a lot of history. I love history and these events and going back to Welcome Planet Earth. And again, if you get some of these reports or subscribe to the Astrology Cosmic Calendar with a K, go to the Earth Aquarius News section at Great Bear Enterprises, which is completely complimentary, as well as Global Hotspots. And also, if you, um, on the app, we have astrology in five we have astroflash there's a whole other 
a group of things when you do um, decide to get the app, the Astrology Cosmic Calendar, now in its 41st year, of all the cycles that are happening every day in the sky, four, quarter moons, new moons, full moons, last quarter moons, all the different alignments of the eight main planets, the four main asteroids, Chiron, the nodes, frequently I'll mention uh, Sedna or Eris, chaos, unusual planetary formations, all kinds of things. They're always in the astrology cosmic calendar, free one day at a time. But to be a futurist, to understand astrology, you definitely want to subscribe to go into the future. So um, I will look forward to hearing from you. Um, and the next one will be podcast 99. I'm not sure when I'm going to do it, but we're hitting pretty soon. We'll be at 100 podcasts before you know it. Okay, take good care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.